doing it. Yeah. But I was at the first UFC. Yeah. Hell yeah. He, he okay, time out. Yeah, this is the shit that's got to end up on the podcast, okay? <laughs> so. This is Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, and whiskey. Brought to you by Scott Barker, Jerry Armentrout, and Cody Carter. All right, welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else that we find interesting, all while drinking whiskey. He's Cody Carter, he's Jerry Armentrout, I'm Scott Barker, and today we are joined by the Total Defense Martial Arts Filipino Martial Arts Instructor. Uh, Really cool cat, has some pretty crazy stories and some amazing history in the martial arts um, and the martial arts industry, but we're joined today by Sensei Jay Haynes. Jay, how you doing, brother? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate Welcome. it. Welcome. So, Jay, so the bottle for tonight is a little different. Jay does not typically partake in alcoholic beverages, so what we decided to do tonight is do a little something different, and tonight we are drinking Liars American Malt. So, Liars is an Australian company that makes non-alcoholic spirits nice. so this it. is their version of an american whiskey or an american bourbon it says impossibly crafted <laughs> um, i like I the play it. on words that's a great that's a great marketing line yes. right there impossibly crafted so i found these guys my my wife was at a point where she couldn't drink alcohol and she likes a good cocktail so i found these guys and they've got a whole line of like 14 different bottles that are replications of some of the more famous spirits in the spirit world. So um, I, I've tried these guys, and I'm really impressed by them. Will All you right. send me the link? My dad is uh, you know, a recovering, you're always recovering, right? Recovering sure. alcoholic, and he says that that he doesn't miss like the, the drinking, but he misses like the taste of Crown or a good bourbon or a good whiskey. So I'd love to Absolutely. For maybe for Christmas get him something like that. So I'm going to give you a little sniff of just the the base itself. The thing about this about this particular one is it's okay straight, but it's really good to mix either okay. with like if you want to do like a Jack and Coke or something like that, this is great to do that with or to mix with the other mixers that Liars makes. But I got something I got something special in the green bottle here. So <laughs> Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Jerry, wake up. There's yep. yours. Thank wake you. Up. All right. Wake Cheers, up. boys. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. For being fake. For being bad. fake, it's not bad. It's not it's too like, bad at all. Well, I was talking about it with other people. I was like, we're going to drink an alcoholic bourbon. It's like a prostitute that only wants to cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the way you God, you would. <laughs> <laughs> with clothes on or with clothes off? She just wants to cuddle, man. It's, it's a waste of it money. Do, it doesn't really matter if she wants to just way, cuddle. I, mean, I would money. say clothes on cuddling versus clothes off cuddling. Clothes off cuddling has got to be worse. I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah you right. worse. Because there's the, you know, the, the closeness without the closeness. Yeah. So do you get that little bit of heat on yeah. the back? They add a little bit of capsaicin mm. to it to try to recreate the burn of bourbon. Mm-hmm. But what this, what this actually does really well is it makes a hell of a good old-fashioned. Okay. So I've got... Here in, in the little green jar, I've got some old fashioned that I made, and it does have a little bit of uh, bitters in it. So it's got a tiny little bit of alcohol in it. Which, Is this the same mixture that yeah, you had the other day? Yeah. 
Um, oh, hell yeah, dude. Dude, dude, see, this, see our podcast, you know, we, we come prepared. We go above and beyond. <laughs> so, let's try this. This is the old-fashioned, so yeah. cheers. Cheers, boys. That's actually better. That's tasty. Mm, that yeah. is better. That is really good. That's actually yes. really good. It, it, aside, I could have one of these every night. Aside from the mouthfeel, it doesn't it doesn't quite have that same mouthfeel. Yeah. It's not as thick as as what you know, liquor seems to be. This is, could be dead on, mm. like an old fashioned. Yeah. Um, so really impressed with liars. Um, I, I, I keep a bottle, a couple bottles of it around for um, when you want the the cocktail experience, but not necessarily the booze, yeah. right? You want the ritual, but not mm-hmm. the, the this booze. Is, this is something habitual. You could easily sit, <laughs> exactly. Like this, drink, you know, smoke a cigar, you know, and be able to drive home. Ugh. You know, go yep. have go to have work the next yeah. morning and yeah. not be, you know, yeah. feeling, yeah. It, you know. So, Jay, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you coming. So, what's mm. what's your story, man? Tell, take us back to the beginning. Where where were you born? Um, tell us about yourself. How'd you end up coming to the area? Because you're not from the valley nope. organically. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I was born and raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and um, you know, in I started training in 1982. I don't know where you guys were in '82, but I was elementary school. I was starting to train at that time, and I was actually in middle school, or what they call middle school today. Back then it was junior high. Yeah. And, uh, you know. We're, we're at that generation that kind of swapped over. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are. <laughs> I was yeah. before, yeah. Uh, we, uh, you know, I had the issue where, you know, my mom would give me two quarters every day for lunch. And I had two guys that felt that they deserved those two quarters more than I did. And, and so they would corner me, you know, in the hall. That there, sounds you know? vaguely familiar. One guy would hang on and one guy would pound away, you know, until I until I agreed that they probably should have those two quarters every day also. Uh, and so I started, you know, and of course I'm five foot six, so weighed 89 pounds, which means I wasn't even big enough to be a 90-pound weakling. <laughs> <laughs> and so because of that, uh, you know, I started begging my parents, please, you know, give me... I need some karate lessons. I need to be able to beat these guys up, you yeah. know, without telling them yeah. that I was getting beat up every day. Right. And so because of that, uh, you know, it took a couple of years of begging because I was one of those kids that would quit everything, you know, start everything and quit right away. Yeah. And they're like, this is just going to be another one of those things, yeah. you know, little did they know. And so, so, uh, finally, uh, in the, uh, in the ninth grade in, in February of 1982, I was enrolled in the local taekwondo school and taekwondo in 82 is a, was a lot different than taekwondo is today yeah because taekwondo was introduced into the olympics in 1988 and that's when it changed it's one of the worst things that can happen to sports to a martial like. art that's yeah. exactly right and the same thing happened to judo in 1964 that's what judo was a completely different martial art until it became an Olympic sport. That's why people are so against jujitsu being entered into the uh, introduced oh, into the Olympics. Into the Olympics. Yeah. That's right, yeah. and I don't blame them. And karate is now in the Olympics for one year. It was supposed to be this year, but the Olympics have been postponed to next year. Yeah, they will be in next year's Olympics, but they've already been X'd out from the 2024 Olympics. So uh, that, you know, before they even started, they're already out. You know, so, wow. uh, but it doesn't matter. And personally, I think. You know, I, I am actually um, a certified Olympic coach for karate. Uh, I was awesome. an athlete in karate, and uh, I was actually the first alternate for Team USA back in 1994 to compete wow. in the wow. very first Pan Am Games in 
that had karate, which was held in Curacao, I lost by half a point to uh, get there. Okay, how do you lose there. by half a point? Well, because in karate, like in judo, they have wazari, which is half a point, and ipon, which is a full point. Okay. And the first person with three points wins. Now, it's different now. <laughs> now, they've changed all the rules since then. Yeah. But at the time, you had ipon and wazari, and that's it. Okay. Uh, and so, I lost by half a point because I was winning. I was winning. Okay? Here, it, the, the story goes like this. Okay? My <laughs> coach says to me, right before I'm getting ready to fight. First of all, I drew a guy by the name of Ferdy Alves. He's out of San Diego. He's one of the team coaches now. But at the time, he was the best fighter in the world. And he was my first draw. I'm like, oh, you guys are killing me here. You know, I can't believe this. This is awful, right? So my coach, I was really nervous. And my coach says to me, my, my instructor, uh, Terry Bryan, sensei, uh, says to me, Jay, do you want to know how to beat Ferdy Alves? I'm like, oh, yes, sir. So standing at attention. You know how karate guys do it. And he says, um, here's what you need to do. Yes, sir. You need to make sure that he doesn't hit you. And you need to make sure that you hit him. Is that all? And I'm like, good thank, advice. Thank Sounds you. like a thank bulletproof you, sir. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Thank you, John Madden. So then I start to turn, and he turns, but he goes, wait a minute. One more thing. Make sure you do it in that order. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh. So now I'm out there. I'm fighting. He comes, I, and I'm being patient because my instructor said, do it in that order. He comes, I block, boom, score was already half a point. I'm thinking, dude, I am beating the world champion right here. This is great, you know? Yeah. How did that happen, right? This is really cool, man. So now it's, boom, boom, he gets half a point, I get half a point, blah, blah, blah. So now it's two and a half to two. I'm winning. I am winning. I am winning. And as the guy who is winning and on his way to the Pan Am Games, do I heed my instructor's advice? No. Of course not. How did you know? <laughs> we already know how the story is. Yeah, you already, you already told us how the story is. Yeah. So. so I'm like, I am going to finish this guy with style. Uh, I am going to uh, switch a kick, and I'm going to kick him right in the head and get the full epon. I'm going to win three and a half to two, and it. I'm going to be a legend. And what happens? Uh, the guy blocks, grabs my kick, sweeps me, throws me to the ground, and I'm thinking... Oh, crap. And I'm up kicking and I'm moving. Yeah. He hit me square and he gets the epon and he wins three to two and a half. Oh, jeez. And uh, I fought my way back up and took third place, which is the first alternate. But that's as good as I was going yeah. to be allowed to get under a repercharge. It was a repercharge type style of fighting uh, bracket. And so that's... That it was a great learning experience for me, yeah. you know. And the learning experience was do what your sensei says when he tells you to do something, right? Yeah. And that was in July of '94. In January of '95, uh, I was uh, and I had been training all through the holidays because I was going to go to the team training in Arizona uh, and train with the team just in case I got to go because they only sit two, but I was the third. I was the alternate, and they invited the alternate. And um, in January 2nd, 1995, I was hit by a drunk driver and I was almost killed. Oh, I have a completely reconstructed face. This side, my left side of my face is completely numb. So somebody kicks me in the head, I, I don't feel it. I'm like, did you kick me in the head? Yeah, dang it, I knew it, I heard it, you know, that kind of thing. 
my eye was fortunately not damaged, but the eyelid was completely sliced off. So it's been reattached. It's, it's there's like 120 some odd stitches Jeez, that go from son. from there to they there. They did an alright job. Yeah, it looks okay. They did a hell of a job. I look yeah. very different than I did before the accident. But I also suffered a grade four separated shoulder, and that I had it surgically repaired. The collarbone is still dislocated. It's never been fixed. Um, and I have a. I think I tore my rotator cuff, so I have an MRI schedule for tomorrow, actually, ah, to have it looked okay. at. But they're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> the x-rays show that you have a severely dislocated collarbone. I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's been like that, that way forever. <laughs> 25 years ago, you know. Kind of and so they're, uh, they're like, geez, how do you even live with that? Oh, you know, you, gotta, you, just, you just do. It's like that meme you sent me where the demon tries to inhabit yeah. your body. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Yes. Like, demon inhabits my body. What the hell? <laughs> I'm leaving. This is not my kind of temple. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, as a result of that, I could, you know, the shoulder was better after I had it, surgery on it, but it wasn't as good as before the accident. And I could still fight and I was still, you know, I could handle that, but what I couldn't handle was the training that was necessary to get to the fight. Yeah. You know, because I would train three, four, six hours a day, you know, up leading up to the fight in the previous, in the six to five weeks leading up to the fight. And I just couldn't do it. So I finally, I said, you know what, I'm 27 and this is how it is and I have nothing better so I'm gonna have to retire. You know, I'm gonna have to stop. And I became a coach, which I am, and I became a, a referee, which I am, and I became a promoter. And, you know, I was upset. At the time I was really angry about it because, you know, I really felt that I had been robbed of my opportunity. But now I am grateful that it happened because it is so much more joyful to see a student win that gold medal than it is to get it myself, you know? And so while I never was able to win a national title or anything like this, I've had dozens of students who have uh, in their different age divisions of brackets and whatnot, you know, mm -hmm. beginner, kids, adults, you know, you name it. I've had, I've had it all and it's so rewarding. Um, you know, and, and that's, we're going to talk about the benefits of training in the martial arts. We certainly a will. A little bit, in a little bit here, but, but I did start in 82. I started training. Uh, I continued training, uh, in Taekwondo until I went to college. Uh, then I started training in Chinese Shaolin Kung Fu. Uh, and I realized, my gosh, you know, there's more to this than just punching a guy in the face and kicking him, you know, in the, in the groin, you know, it's just, there's a lot more here, you know, I ought to, I ought to really start riding all the rides, you know, um, you know, and when you're young, it's, it's like going to Disneyland in the morning, you know, you're young, you got all day, I'm going to ride all the rides, man. you know, I'm just going to do it all, right, and I decided pretty quickly, yeah, you know, I think I want to do this for a living, you know, and teach karate, I'm going to own my own school, you know, this is, what a way, it beats working for a living. You know, so uh, I, I went ahead and got a degree in, in uh, marketing from the University of Colorado. I graduated in 89. Uh, in the meantime, I was doing, you know, Kyokushinkai, full contact, Masayama's full contact karate. That was my first foyer into karate. Okay. Um, and uh, in 19, or previous to that, in 1985, I met Terry Bryan, my instructor. And I was already a black belt in Taekwondo, barely. Uh, and the, uh, you know, he, he's, he was one of the influences on me to say, man, you need to go out and look and find other things to do. 
Um, but when I was in college, I, I did the Kyokushinkai, and it's sort of one of those, you know, I did that for about eight months, and, you know, I, it was just painful, you know? <laughs> when you're fighting full contact bare knuckle, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts a lot. And, you know, there's an old Japanese proverb that says, who is the greatest warrior? It's the warrior who lives the longest. And you know what? At this rate, that's not going to be me. <laughs> you know, I need to start thinking about training for longevity. Because, you know, I don't want to be 50 and walking around, you know, with knee braces and a walker, and, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, and just be wrecked, you know. And I saw enough 50-year-olds walking around who were wrecked from being a hammer back in the day that it's like, you know, that I don't want to be that guy. I want to yeah. be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then... In 1990, I quit my job. I was working as a financial planner for a company with that now is called Ameriprise, but at the time was called IDS. It's the financial planning arm mm-hmm. for American Express. Okay. And I was really good as a financial planner uh, because I also had a degree in finance. I double majored. Um, but I didn't want to be doing that. I wanted to be teaching karate. So I quit my job. As a, my instructor had started a school, um, and Terry Bryan had started a school, and he needed instructors. The reason is because we were on a, an elevator that was on the ground floor and getting ready to rocket into the stratosphere because of a little movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> which came out that same year. And we went, and so he said, I need people, I need warm bodies who can stand in front of a class and, and punch and kick and show them how to do it. I'm like, that's me, you know, (laughs) that's me. We went from zero, no schools, no students. In 14 months later, we had four commercial locations, six club locations, 1,200 students, and we were grossing a million dollars a year. Jeez. It was unbelievable. It was in Colorado Springs area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was unbelievable. And it was because... You know, all because of Ninja Turtles. I mean, let's, I'm just going to tell you, it was just every kid in America wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. And we were that, we were it. We were the school to go to, you know. You were Master Splinter. Oh, were you? Yeah, <laughs> you bet. Actually, my instructor was Master Splinter. I was just Master Splinterette. And so, uh, you know, we, I learned everything I needed to know about how to run a business from Terry Bryan. Yeah. Uh, and things were going swimmingly. <laughs> I was teaching. I was running two of the commercial schools. I was in one school on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another school on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I was teaching 60 classes a week. Jeez. Okay. And each class was 45 minutes long. So, you, you know, it wasn't, yeah. you know, 90 hours a week, but it was uh, plenty. Yeah. And then I was training because I was also training for Olympic karate and this and that and so on. You know, and, but I was young. I was single. I had nothing better to do. I would show up at the dojo at 730. I would start teaching at nine. I would train for an hour. I would teach at nine. I would teach all morning. I would have lunch. I would teach all afternoon. I would teach all night. I would go home around 10 o'clock at night. I would sleep, eat, and train. And that's all I did for five years, right? And it was like, this is the greatest thing in the history of the world, you know? (laughs) And it doesn't get any better than this. Right? Yeah. No, no girls were involved in my life. No mortgage was involved in my life. I had no debt. I had all I had was me and my my truck and my training, and that was it. And it was amazing. It was it was totally amazing. 
and it was awesome all the way up until the summer of 1994 when my instructor and his wife started having marital problems and by the fall it became fairly self-evident that they were not going to make it and so the divorce started and they had four commercial schools two of which were really big and two of which were medium-sized schools okay medium meaning like around 200 students apiece and the other two were like three four hundred students and so i was running the main school which had 400 plus students like 420 students and then i was running one of the medium schools which was had about 180 students in it. and we uh you know so i mean i personally had half of all the students under me you know <laughs> so 700 students underneath me and so uh we uh you know they they were like well i want this school he was like i want this school she was like i want that school and let's just close the rest and i'm like man you know i really like that medium-sized school you know mm -hmm. and it was going to cost them you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars to buy their way out of that lease so i said how about i take that school over you know how about if i just buy that school for for a nominal amount of money and I take over the lease. Basically, I'm saving you 20 some odd thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. And they were like, oh, sounds good to me. That was like one of the few things that the two of them at that moment could, could agree on. <laughs> if you've what? ever been through a divorce, you know what I'm talking what, about. One right? last thing we gotta worry about in the divorce settlement? Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's one, it. One last thing we have to pay for? Exactly. Cool. So on November 1st in 1995, I bought the school. And, uh, or no, 94, November 1st, 1994, I bought the school. Uh, I changed the name and uh, I was off and running. And I was in that location a total of 16 and a half years. Uh, and I, you know, that's a long time to be anywhere and rent. Yeah. You know, uh, I continued to train. I continued to work, you know, like I, like I said, I was at the very first UFC. Uh, Bill Wallace was there and I had trained with Bill Wallace extensively. And so he said, hey, you should come up and check this out. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're doing this uh, thing. Yeah, it's and it's really cool. And you know, I uh, I, uh, I I trained with uh, Matt Hughes. Awesome. Wow. You guys know yes. Matt Hughes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Just if you drop know Matt a Hughes, name here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was in Vegas at a martial arts convention because you know it's a business. You got to go to these things, yeah. right? right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Oh yeah. And so you know, any honey, opportunity, work, honey, I honey, I have to go to work. It's work. Yeah. I took my wife with me, you know, how, okay. how cool is that, that's going legit. to Las Vegas? Yeah. My wife is a black belt under me also. Nice. So, awesome. I met her in karate. Um, but the, uh, you know, hey, so it's, I was like, man, this is great. I'm training, you know, here, I get to train with Bill Wallace in the morning. I get to train with Matt Hughes in the afternoon. You know, I'm training with uh, Mike Chat that night. Mike Chat's the guy that invented XMA. Uh, oh, jeez. And uh, he's like Taylor Lautner's instructor, and he's the Blue Power Ranger, right? He was the original Blue Taylor Power Ranger, Lautner. you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, well, this is cool. It's not something I would do. Yeah. But, you know, hey, you know, here's my thing. I'm in the amusement park. I'm going to ride every, every ride, ride I can, yeah, yeah. buddy. That's go. it, you know? The problem with me today is, is that we're getting close to closing time. You know, the park is not going to, now I'm realizing the park isn't going to be open for the rest. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to close here pretty soon and I'm going to close the park. But, you know, my other problem is it's like I had this little kid that wants to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes now, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, dang, I'm going to miss riding a ride, you know? 
and you know, my shoulder, my, I have a dislocated toe, you know, I got all these little things that are preventing me from training. And it's like, you need to stop that, you know, but I'm just going to keep riding these rides until I can't anymore. You know, <laughs> right the wheels fall. Yes. But in the meantime, yep. I kept, you know, I kept teaching, I kept training and I kept working, you know? And so that's basically it. I actually, my biggest problem was, was that I only had 3,600 square feet only. I expanded to 4,800 square feet, which was great, but um, it wasn't enough. I mean, I had 300 plus students and, you know, it just, and the, and the cost, you know, I was in this box that wasn't going to get any bigger. And so I could only fit that many students in. But the problem was, was that the cost associated with that box kept going up every year. Because when you're in a place for almost 17 years yeah. and renting, that's a long time to be anywhere. I spent half, half a million dollars just on rent on that place sure. over that time. And it's like, man, you know, what I need is my own place. That's what I need. Yeah. So I started looking around and I found a 9,000 square foot church that was available for sale. Okay. And I was like, hello, Volto. This is great. This is exactly what I need. So I bought that. I dropped about $80,000 into it to fix it up and make it into a really nice dojo. I had a mat that had... It was about 2,600 square foot mat, Ooh. just the main mat. And then I had a second mat in another room. <laughs> that was my kickboxing room, right? We had bags and stuff set up in there. And then I had another room with a third mat, and that was an intro room. So people, when they would come in to do their very first class, wouldn't feel uncomfortable with everybody sitting there watching them. We would just bring them into the intro room. Okay, we're going to you know, show you some karate. Parents would go, you know, whatever. And it was... Fabulous. I had an office. My office was was 400 square feet. It was bigger than my first apartment. Wow. <laughs> this is fantastic, man. You know, it's 20 feet by 20 feet. I'm like, this is great. I can't believe I had this place, man, you know? And so now I'm paying myself rent every month. And I own that school all the way up until a couple of years ago. Um, and honestly, I mean, I had, I had deep roots, man. I was, I had been teaching for 28 years and, you know, here I am now 50, right? Years old. Uh, I had never had any expectation that I would ever leave, you know, mm -hmm. but I will say that I got into my forties and up until that point, it was like pedal to the floor, balls to the wall. Every day we go in and we, and we grind it, you know, and, and we're there. And then you get into your 40s and you start to realize, you know, I can't keep this pace. I am hustling, you know? I mean, I have 300 students and I am teaching all the classes and I have other people who help me teach, but I'm the guy and I can't keep this pace up. I have injuries, I have, you know, little nagging things that are always happening. And it's, you know, I'm gonna have to change, you know? I can't continue this. And so I started to change the model, mm -hmm. the business model where I scaled back because I, I had when I bought the school I scaled back to only 42 classes a week and I did that until I was in only 42 yeah classes. and then I yeah because I was doing a lot more than that before and then I scaled back to 28 and then I scaled back to 23 and then I scaled back to 18 <laughs> you know over a period of about five or six years I mean I just kept stepping back, back and, and back, stepping yeah. back uh and I would stand around a lot point and grunt you know and I would oh, talk to parents and shake hands and kiss, kiss babies. babies and yeah. stuff like that uh, and I was really good at it and 
you know, which helped a lot. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a good, it was good for me to be able to do that, you know, because then I knew, hey, the legacy will continue. Even if I totally leave, the legacy will continue. And then it happened. My wife, who I put through nursing school, I met her, we, you know, I, when we got married, I put her through nursing school. Then she became, she was a phenomenally amazing nurse uh, and she was a trauma certified ICU nurse who was incredible at dealing with people and still is. Became a nurse educator. She started teaching other people how to be a nurse. And she became a college professor at our local community college. But she sort of hit the ceiling there, you know? And there's only so far you're gonna go in that career at a community college. Mm -hmm. And then, but here's what happened. And this is, this is honestly a true story. The community college that she was working at was the number one program in the country because uh, every single student that graduated from this nursing program passed the NCLEX, which is like the bar, mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, to become a nurse, because you can have a degree in nursing, but not yeah. be a nurse. Yep. So you have to pass a, the NCLEX to be, actually be a nurse. Every single student who graduated passed the NCLEX the very first time they took it for six classes in a row, for three years in a row. Wow. And that's so, a big deal. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. So now James Madison University here in Virginia says, why, why is that? What's, What's going on over there? How are they able to do that? Because the 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 average pass rate is like seventy two percent. Yeah, they even like have you like you get like three tries. Yeah, it's built in. Like they yeah, ex yeah, they expect yeah. you to fail the first time. And yeah. it's it's only like seventy two percent pass rate on this thing. And, and so to have six graduating classes of you know dozens. I mean, they they had like I don't know seventy students in each class. Every single one of them passed. And it's at, unbelievable. That's and crazy. at the at that point, JMU had the best nursing program on this coast. Yeah. And like they were they, like they were the school, yeah. they were the nursing school. Yeah. And they want coast. they wanted to be able to be that. They wanted that to happen. Yeah. And so they started asking around, why is that? You know, what's going on? And every answer came back, my wife. My wife is the reason. Nice. So they came calling and said, we want to make you an offer that you absolutely cannot refuse. And She's like, man, this is really amazing, right? It was, it is. And so I, she said, you know, I understand though why you would say no, you know, <laughs> clearly. And I said, you know, here's the thing. You have supported me 100%. You are the greatest sensei wife I've ever met. You know, everything that I've ever wanted to do in the martial arts, I've been able to do because you support me. How can I say no? As a husband, how can I say, yeah, no, you can't move on with your career. Man being a man. Man being a man. So, man being a man. I sold the school. I sold the building. I, I gave it all up, and we moved to Virginia. Awesome. <laughs> Here in, in uh, the beautiful Stanton, Virginia. It's gorgeous, gorgeous place. Not that Colorado isn't gorgeous. Right. Because Colorado is. But Colorado is like a rugged, rocky mountain, you know, dry, gray, and tan gorgeous yeah you know it's a different gorgeous and here is like a rolling hills lush green rains all the time gorgeous it's so nice it's so what's so your nice. wife's name jamie jamie okay jamie, so jamie. Cheer, cheers to jamie cheers to jamie, cheers to jamie. Cheers to jamie. Yes. and i will jamie. tell you that 
today, JMU is the number one school with the- Cheers to JMU. <laughs> with the highest yeah. intellect's pass rate. And it's like, JB says, I said, that's, it's you. And she goes, no, no, it's just a coincidence. There's no such <laughs> like, thing. I don't for, think so. There's cause I and effect. I don't think so. There's cause and effect. Yeah. And a direct, so, direct line. So as a result, here I found myself with a whole lot of free time because- you know, I'm 100%. Sugar mama. Yeah, that's, that's her. <laughs> mama got paid. That's her. And, you know, we, I'm like, she's she's now working full time and she's getting a PhD. Jeez. And, and you know, for that, I'm all sure. this other stuff. For sure, yeah. They should be. They are. Good. And so, you know, it's like, I'll do everything here. You take care of business, right? But I want to keep training. I want to keep riding the rides. Yeah. You know? So I, I got here, I was 50 years old, that was three years ago, I'm 53 now. And I said, you know, well, let's go take a look around. See what we got. And there was only one place that had anything that I thought was really valuable, and that was here. And given the fact that I had never trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that was even better. <laughs> what, was this, what was the value that you saw? I. Is the only place, one place that you saw had value. That I said, that would be that the training was worth spending the time and money on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Uh, And so I said, you know, this is the place I want to be, right? Uh, And and so I, you know, hey, I'm going to start over. This is going to be great because it's been a while since I've started over. Not that I haven't trained in seminars and other things, but my gosh, it's so amazing to be a beginner. You know, okay, so that's that. a that's a great that. that that's a great segue into <laughs> one of the topics I wanted to break up. We're gonna take a real quick break right here and hear from episode eleven special guest um, Matt Warner and his novel Empire of the Goddess. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is, my little boy. Walter was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like, This is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. He published my first-person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook, because only I can tell you my story. And it's gonna blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com. Empire of the Goddess. And we're back. Okay, so Jay, what you brought up right before the break was something that I wanted to talk about um, with you. You've got such a a great and varied experience in martial arts. Um, you know, you teach Filipino martial arts, so you, you, you teach... Uh, stick and knife stuff to our crew. Um, obviously, you've got a, a karate background. You've got your taekwondo. You've got your um, kung fu. Your kung fu. Kimpo. Kimpo. Yeah, you've got an amazing um, history in martial arts. 
when you first started coming in here, nobody knew that. And you didn't project it. You didn't portray it. You really came in as a beginner. As a white, as a no-stripe white belt. You came in as a no-stripe white belt. And I still am a no-stripe white belt. Well, okay, yeah, (laughs) that's not your fault. Well, yeah, but you know, that's okay because I don't really care about gaining yeah. rank or not gaining rank. Exactly. You've got you've got the best beginner's mind. Well, thank you. I've ever. Yeah, it's it's seen. easy to be a beginner when you are a beginner. That's. A- <laughs> yeah, but the, the trick in having beginner's mind is not carrying your experience from other yeah, things. Not saying, well, I know all this because yeah. I mean, yeah. we can we can easily someone else. I mean. Bringing stuff from outside is what caused his knee injury. Yeah. Because, okay. oh, I know what I'm doing. Dude, you need to go slow. This is a very uh, delicate drill. If you do it wrong, someone's going to get hurt. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Well, boom. Scott's out for nine months. Yeah. Because That's someone teams, brought something man. from another from another style sure. in here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and you kind of had the same thing with the dude. Yeah, who the other night. visited a couple weeks ago, right? You, mm. you had a guy who was, well, at my school, we do it this way. And it was, that's not how we're doing it. And the dude kept popping Jerry in the throat. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah. So, that only goes on for so long. Yeah. It <laughs> didn't go coach, on very long. Coach had, yeah. he was starting to realize I was getting a little frustrated. Because I was trying to, I was assisting the coach. Yeah. Because I was the highest ranking belt here at the time. So I was helping the coach train. I was, uh, I was his uki. And then I was, you know, training with the new, you know, with the visiting students, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, I enjoy that. But this one was one of those who, no, that's not how, dude, this is how we're going to do it. And I finally had to just break it down. I was like, this, you're in our school. This is the way our coach teaches. Right. This is how we're going to do that. If we do, if you continue to hit me in my throat, I will retaliate. Yeah. I was like, well, I will, you know, you will see what happens. Do not him. strike me in my throat again. Yeah. Because there's no reason for that. Right. I said, you're not one, you're not going to stop me. You know, whatever you think this is, it's not really going to work. You're just irritating me. Mm. It's like, and if I have to, we will escalate and to a point where Cody hollered from across the room that <laughs> he was going to come over and deal with it because yeah. it's hurting his training partner. Right. Yeah. Right. Could, and could, that's the worst thing that, you know, can happen in the martial arts is injury because that's that little kid that keeps wanting to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You know, it's Especially like, man, you're preventing me from riding the rides here. Come on. You know? Exactly. Especially someone who's bringing something from outside and they don't want to listen. And that's right. the, that's the opposite of you. I mean, someone who has all your background, and you just want to learn. You want to learn the basics and train. You want to just do that. Yeah. Well, because every ride is different in the park. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every ride brings something that you can benefit from. And so, you know, why would you try to bring in a full cup? You know, empty your cup at the door and walk in ready to do what they have. And give to Caesar what is Caesar's, you know? Yeah. It, it, if this is what they say, great. That doesn't mean when I get out... And home, I go, yeah, I'm going to do that forever now. A lot of times I'll go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but at that moment, that's what they want you to do. Okay, I'll play. I'll, you know, just tell me what what the game is here and I'll, well, let's do it, you know. And then I'll decide later if I like it or not. Or if I want to modify it, change it, make it my own. But when I'm there, that's what I'm there for. So do you, do you find that to be... Was that something, the beginner's mind, was that something that developed over time through maturity and experience? Um, is it is it something that maybe you weren't as good at when you were younger, when you only had one or two styles under your belt? Like, you know, when you first started and it was, your first style was Kyokushin or? It was actually Taekwondo. Taekwondo. Yeah, taekwondo. So w- when you first came from Taekwondo to 
To Kung Fu? To Kung Fu. Oh, my God. Was, was there a lot of... No, this is how we do it <laughs> yeah. in... I was, I was... Actually, I was trying really hard. Um, I was trying to be, you know, to relearn, but... You know, I look like a Taekwondo guy trying to do Kung Fu, you know. <laughs> my instructor was like, oh my, you're, you're terrible. <laughs> my instructor was actually Karen Turner. She's a very famous Kung Fu instructor. Really? Yeah. Um, and uh, she's out of Denver, Colorado also. Wow. Um, and so, but the, uh, uh, actually it was my instructor's influence on me that, that I have to give credit where credit is. He said, here's what I want you to do. Spend the next year, find a tournament that happens every weekend, and go. Because every weekend, you're going to find a tournament within driving distance. Sometimes they were in Utah, or New Mexico, or in Kansas, or in, you know, Wyoming. Sometimes they were in Colorado. But there was always a tournament that you could go to that was available. And I would literally go, I would get up early, like 2 in the morning. I would drive to wherever it was. I would walk in the door. They'd be like, can I register for the tournament? Yes. Okay, how much is it? Here you go. And then I would say, does anybody have a copy of the rules? All <laughs> 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 right? Because I don't know what the rules are. You're registering for a tournament that you don't know what the rules are. Yeah, I just want to play. Just tell me the rules of the game and I'll play the game. Now, am I going to win? No. I'm not going to win because I'm playing your game, which you've been playing for, you know, years, and I just learned the rules 20 minutes ago. So this was any any tournament, any style. Any you tournament, fight. any style. I just wanted to fight. And so you could have shown up to a leftway tournament, and it would have been like, oh, okay, this is bare knuckle. Okay. I can use headbutts. We it go. doesn't matter. That's right. And the That's next right. weekend, you're at sport. You're at point karate. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. That's what I did, and That's it was it, you know you learn. To not have an ego because, yeah. you know, I'm just here to, to learn. I'm here to meet people. And let me tell you, I met a lot of people and, and they liked me. You know, they're like, I like a guy that is willing to go out and just play. You know, hey, as long as I don't get injured, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm going to have a good time. So that's what I did. And sometimes I got injured. You know, sometimes I got knocked out or whatever, you know. Sometimes I would win. It's like, my gosh, this is gravy. But I had no expectation of winning. Yeah. I, I never. You know, I just wanted to. To learn, I just wanted to play, and I'll tell you, if you want to know the best street fighting system ever, sure, it's simple. Go to every martial arts tournament that you can. Doesn't matter, taekwondo, karate, MMA, whatever. Pick any tournament. Ask them for the copy of the rules. Turn to the page that says things that are not allowed, and start practicing those moves. things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works. I like it yeah. because those things are there for safety. Yeah, I like it. Those things are there for safety. So, if, you know, if they say no small joint manipulation allowed, okay, great. I'm going to start working on finger locks this week, you know. No, you know, no eye gouging. All right. Now I know what I'm going to do next week. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, no attack in the groin. Great. They give you five minutes. The nut shot clock yeah. is on, right? You know, and you're going you're gonna to get five minutes to recover. Oh, no, you're not when you're fighting me <laughs> in a real street fight. In a real self-defense situation, so those are those are the things that you you practice. Nice. So what? We love having you here. Obviously, <laughs> thank you. Um, I love being here. We we, we liked. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a quick Jay Haynes story. Um, Jay started training, and we were in here on a Saturday, and it was the September 
before I blew my knee out and you and I were in here training mm-hmm. and you'd been training for a little bit and I I was in your guard and I went past guard and you looked at me and said I want to try a triangle <laughs> and I was like go for it man and I don't know what I was thinking but I had my tongue stuck out <laughs> I had my tongue stuck out like just a little bit right and you went to throw the triangle, and you caught me right under the chin yep. with your knee. I remember. And my teeth <laughs> clacked together, and I and I'm and you looked at me, and your eyes got really big, and like, oh my god, are you okay? And I'm like, fishing around in my mouth, trying to figure out if there are pieces of my tongue like <laughs> floating around loose, because I bit the I bit the holy shit. Out yes, of my you tongue. did. And you were bleeding like and a stuck I was, pig. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm good. Let's keep going. Yeah, and blood's pouring and out I got of his blood mouth. coming. on my gi. <laughs> so I go and I, I, I rinse my mouth out and I come back and you're like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. We finished the roll. I went home and I started to talk like this and I started to get this lisp. And my wife is like, why are you lisping? And I'm like, I'm not lisping. Oh shit. And I yeah. go to the, I go to the, I go to the mirror and you can see where the teeth have gone into my tongue. Yeah. The funny thing is, I had to do my best friend's wedding the next weekend. Oh, yes. I, I was remember. the minister. So I totally, I, I, I texted my buddy, I'm like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that I had a little accident in jujitsu today. I bit my tongue. Um, I can still talk, but you may get a princess bride wedding. <laughs> What do you mean? And I sent him the gif of Terry Gill yeah. going, Mowage. And he's like, I'm okay with that. I'm like, perfect. Okay. That's great. By the next week, like it went down. I did fun. I did the wedding no problem. But yeah, uh, that was I almost bit my tongue off rolling with rolling with Sensei yeah. J. And it as I awesome. recall, you went and got, went ahead and got a mouthpiece after that. Yeah. No, I didn't. I oh, still you didn't. I oh. still don't have you a mouthpiece. You told me I'm gonna have to get me a mouthpiece. I said I was gonna have to. I didn't say I was going yeah. well, to. Well, you probably should. My wife is still like, yeah. Did you ever get that mouthpiece? I'm like, nah, nah still there. Uh, my teeth aren't that valuable. No, screw that. They're, they're more less than a two dollar mouthpiece. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, we love having you here. You're teaching Filipino martial arts, which is yep. you know, stick and dagger stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, like oh, I was doing before the lockdown. Yep, Jerry was in my class. It was great. I enjoyed loved that. having you. I, I like stabbing people. That's yeah, cool. he does like stabbing people. It's, it's a thing. It's a great complimentary art, also. Yeah. I think you know to, yeah. and and because we have it, you know, total defense is now really total yeah. defense. You have long-ranging fighting techniques with a stick or a knife or any kind of a improvised weapon, right? Because you, you doesn't have to be a stick. It could yeah. be a broomstick. It could be a tire iron or a baseball bat. It doesn't have to be a knife. It could be a bro- broken glass or a bottle. Mm-hmm. It could be a pair of scissors, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, it works the same. So you have long-range outside of reach, touch, and then you have touch range, boxing, you know? <laughs> Here yeah. we go, right? And then you have, oh, what happens when we hit the floor? Well, we got that too, you know? So we, we, we cover all the bases. So how, how did you, with, with all of your experience, yeah. how did you end up choosing this school? And what was it like coming into um, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy? What, you know, what was that like for you, given that I, most of your 
experience, right, was was stand up. I mean, there's yep. some ukemi in some of the, yep. the art. But... Yeah, yeah. And I trained in, um, you know, Brazilian jiu jitsu, quote unquote, before in like a seminar setting. You okay. know, like with Matt Hughes, for example. I did, you know, we did some grappling stuff. It, yeah. So Jay, Jay just name he, dropped. He trained with Matt Hughes. <laughs> Yeah, in a Legendary seminar, right? Yes, you know, yes. I trained with Matthews and with Bill Superfoot Wallace on the same day. Mm. Man, now that's a dichotomy. Yeah, I know. Right there, right? <laughs> I know. Tell I'm me about it. Keep you from across the ring versus yeah. Come here. The first time I trained with Bill Wallace was in 1984. I was, you know, like 16 years old, uh, and then I trained with him again in the early 90s, and then I trained with him again in the early 2000s or mid 2000s. When it was. Matthews was the UFC champ because he was the champ. Of the yeah, that was, like early, that was that was that was early two thousand something like yeah. that. Um, and so yeah, 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 again, I was just riding all the rides, you know. Hey man, I'm, I'm I was at a martial arts convention in Las Vegas. It was actually a business convention, you know, how to learn how to be a business owner, you know, how to run a successful martial arts school. And uh, you know, while there, let's train, you know, <laughs> you know. Billy Blanks was there doing his Taibo oh, and stuff like that. You yeah, know, he, I mean, made, he made money off of that. Dang right. Well, and, and, you and know, he was a legit Billy Blanks was a legit karate uh, guy back was, in the day. He he yeah. and um, uh, you know the rest of the team were were excellent karate. Yeah, I mean, he, he he was smart. international competitors. I mean, they yeah. really were something. I yeah, trained with Toki Hill. Toki Hill was the captain of that team. He was just uh, smart. And he's the, he's out of New York, and he's uh, one of the. Team coaches now today, um, and but I trained with him extensively, you know, in karate because he was my coach. He's one of my coaches when I was, uh, you know, competing still. Nice. Um, back in the nineties, uh, but in the seven early, late seventies, early eighties, those guys were the bomb. I trained with. Uh, oh, he just passed away. Um, I trained with Howard Jackson, Lightning Jackson. Man, that guy was the fastest guy off the line you'll ever see. Did you ever do any, any Tiger Shulman? I trained with a guy who did Tiger Shulman karate. He was a Tiger Shulman instructor. Okay. But I never trained in a Tiger Shulman school. There was one in Colorado Springs for a while. Nice. It's not, I don't think it's there anymore, but I could be wrong. So, so. how'd you so how'd you end up here, and what was that like coming into like a, a more ground-based fighting system? Yeah. Well, the thing was was that you know there's being in a smaller town, there's not that many martial arts schools to look at. You know, in Colorado Springs, we had over 90 commercial karate schools. Okay. And so if you were looking for something specific, you could be looking for a long time. You know, <laughs> people would walk into my school and say, hey, I'm specifically looking for this. Okay, well, this is not the school, but let me give you a name and phone number. Go across the street. This is the person, right? Yeah. I was in a place where wherever you were lived at, you had to drive by a karate school to get to my, my church that I bought, my, you know, my, okay. my building that I owned. Um, and it was crazy. I had 12 schools within three blocks of me at one point. And it was like, this is insane. What is everybody doing here? You know, go spread out, people. You know, find your own place, you know. Um, but, you know, so I was a, absolutely a striker, stand-up stylist, right, all the way. Um, and I was never really all that keen on rolling around with other guys on the floor. And you didn't want to do pajama cuddling? I, no, not really. I did, um, you know, obviously I trained in judo and I trained in jujitsu and I trained in, you know, all these things, these grappling arts, but only I dabbled, you know. I just, I would ride the ride and get off and go do, you know, now I'm going to go kick and punch, you know, instead. 
Um, but when I got here, uh, it was a different, it's a whole different ballgame. There just aren't that many places to train, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I started looking around and I decided, well, that's something that I genuinely really haven't done. Um, and I have a really good friend in Colorado Springs who is a big uh, in, in grappling. Um, he was a striker. In fact, he went uh, to the first UFC with me also because um, I was at the first UFC. And we, uh, he, uh, after we got done, after we watched what happened and said, what the heck just happened? You know, <laughs> I don't even know what that was, right? My friend says to me, you know, I don't think I'm an actual martial artist. I think I'm a partial artist. And I think I need to become a full martial artist. But right now, after seeing what I just saw, I would get beat by that guy. You know, which means I don't know everything that I should know. And so he called himself a partial artist. And when I heard that, I thought, you know, he's got a point. You know, maybe I start looking at this. But he's a big time, you know, grappler. And he, you know, he said, you know, you at some point you got to do that. The beauty of that is is that in karate, when you throw a punch, you know, and there's impact, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get hurt, you know, and you do. You can't just tap out of a guy punching you in the face because it's on its way, right? right? In this, in training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you can tap out when it, before you get hurt. Yeah. And I thought, that's a good point, you know? <laughs> He's got a great, that's a good thing. You know, so it's a lot harder to get hurt in that than it is in karate. And in some ways it's true and in some ways it's not as true. But, uh, yeah. but um, I found that, you know, hey, you know, it actually, the problem is, is that, you know, I think I'm still 20, but I'm actually 53. And so, you know, it doesn't feel like it hurt until the next day. Yeah. And I go, yeah. what the heck just happened here, man? I can't even move my arm. You know, it felt fine yesterday, you know. So that's, that's been my problem. But, uh, but I said, you know, this is really the only thing that's near me that I haven't done. So I want to try it. This is my next ride mm -hmm. that I'm going to jump on. So Nice. So how long have you guys trained? Three years. Um, over three years now. Over three years? Yeah, I'm coming up on, uh, yeah, just over three years because I started in November three years ago. So, okay, what, what would you say is the biggest impact? Positive impact that has you've received from training in the martial arts. Just made me a humble man. Good Lord. Just made me a better a better person. A better person. Yeah. Okay. I'm humble. Humble. Uh, I Humility. Would, okay, so it's actually made me more aggressive. Okay, assertive. But, maybe? Yeah, assertive. Would be a better word. Yeah. Assertive is probably a better word, mm -hmm. and it's made me tougher. Um, tougher. Yeah. The 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 grind of jujitsu has taught me a lot of things. Um, but it, it's it's made me more assertive and it and it's toughened me up. Okay, so let me ask you this: When you first started, or you first started thinking about starting, did you say, you know, I think I want to start that because I'm going to become more assertive and tougher, or did you think, Jerry, I'm going to start that because I want to be a better man? I want to honestly, I started jujitsu and boxing because I wanted to be healthy. My uh, okay, my stepdad died suddenly. And he was in pretty good shape, and he, he died of a massive heart attack, and I decided that I could I don't want that to be me. Why did you start? What was your initial motivation? I was looking for something for me, like like personally for me. Okay. Um, I had a lot of 
responsibilities and I had some things that were, I didn't have anything that was mine, just mine. Right. Okay. Um, and I needed something that was just mine that I could work on. Why didn't you take up chess or, you know, something um, like that? Well, Why so did you pick jujitsu? Um, I've, I've been in, in some form of martial art on and off since I was six. Okay. I did, you know, we told me I did Goju-Ru. So you've trained longer than three years, just three years here. Yeah, but it was but on, it's and on and off. Okay. It was on and off. It was, okay. it was, it was ADD. So why did you train arts. in Goju-Ru at six? Did you want to or did it your parents the, just put you in it? No, I wanted to. Okay. I wanted to take karate and, okay, so my Mutant Ninja Turtles moment was the first karate kid. Yeah, that was of course. that was my yeah. yeah that was that was my time frame. I wanted to 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 train martial arts, mm -hmm. and my dad went around and you know auditioned a couple of schools, and he thought Halterman's had the best ethos for the teachers, sure, right to to you know, give Makes his sense. give his yep. tender six year old yeah, son yeah, to absolutely. Um, so and that's important, especially when you're six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, so it, like that's where I ended up in, in that, and like eight, like I said, you know, ADD brain. Like I dropped out of that, and then I did, um, I did kendo in high school. So you wanted to start because you wanted to be Daniel Zong, you know, training with Mr. Miyagi. I got beat up a lot as a kid. Okay, and you wanted to learn self defense. I got beat up okay. a lot as a kid. All right, so let's break this down here because what you told me is the reason you started was for physical reasons. Yeah. But you found out. The real benefit was not physical, but it was between your ears. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So. so I would say if you were to break down all the benefits of training in the martial arts and you were to say, okay, I'm going to make a list of all of them, everything that you benefit from training, how much would be in the mental part behind between your ears and how much would be in the physical column? The mental aspect for me is overwhelming. I mean, not only is the training good and there's the, the idea of what you're learning and possessing and makes you a different person, but the interaction with other people in here and that, you know, it help, keeps me calm. It makes me more relaxed. I can have a bad day outside of here, come in here. Once we hit the match, it's a different thing. Right. So mentally it's bigger to me. If you want a percentage, I'd say it's 90%. 90%. Okay. And Let's be generous and say 80% mental, sure. 20% physical. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's look at uh, the physical benefit. And, and the mental benefits are what? Stress relief. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. right? Something yeah. of your own. Uh, be tough, mental toughness and confidence, assertiveness, self-discipline, the, the camaraderie. The camaraderie. The stress relief. I'll tell you, you walk into your dojo and you're thinking about, you know, the, you got into an argument with your boss today. And did I leave the toaster plugged in? And, man, I got to mow the lawn tomorrow. And I got all these things going on in my head. And you take all those things and you hang them on a hook at the door because you can't be thinking about that stuff while you're rolling. And then you're rolling and now all you're thinking about is, oh crap, you know, I got to get out of this position or I got to take advantage of this or, you know, whatever. And it's like a 90 minute vacation from life. Absolutely. And then you get done, you know, and you're, you're fist bumping and all right, we're out of here. And you walk out the door and what happens? You forget to pick that stuff up. Yep. Yep. On the way out the door, you left it there. Or you realize the that's, bag's not as big as it was. It really was. Yeah. That's part of, of that too. stuff gets left. And so those are the mental benefits. For kids, it's things like, you know, walking taller and, and, and being a leader and not a follower and saying no to negative peer pressure 
you know, getting good grades in school and, and putting together a plan of action for your life, you know, that you want to, to do something, you know, successful and productive. I mean, for kids, it's even more, I think, than for adults, and it's a lot for adults. Okay, so now let's talk about the physical benefits. You know, you've got, you know, oh man, I'm getting healthier. I got better cardiovascular, uh, you know, weight control, you know, which obviously, you know, obesity is a major problem in our, you know, in our yep. country, in our world. Uh, you know, you have coordination and flexibility, and you have, uh, you know, all of these benefits, balance, you know, <laughs> things yeah, like that. Proprioception, all the stuff. That all those that. things, yeah. right? And you say, man, you know, there's a lot of a lot of that. What percentage would you say is not directly related to self-defense? Not directly related yeah. to self-defense? Yeah, I would, again, I would probably say 75%. Okay. Probably. Right. I mean, the, the self-defense skills are great. Absolutely. Um, but think of all the other physical benefits that you get. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... I mean, listen, have you been attacked since you started training? Me neither. But I've been attacked by a patch of ice out on the dry, uh, out on the parking lot. Yep. How, how was that self-defense? Pretty good. Dude, because I, still, I got up and said, man, I can't believe I'm not dead. You know, yeah. this is great. I knew. So even just learning basic brake falling can, can save you from a lot of pain and a lot, or even yeah, potentially absolutely. being killed. And so... Those, you know, and you learn all that here, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, out of self-defense, and, you know, let's, let's focus on that. You have street fighting stuff, and then you have things that are in the sport aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of things that are in sport, you, you know, or a lot of things that are street fighting would not be allowed for safety reasons in the sport, yeah, right? So think of everything that you train in here, uh, what percentage of that wouldn't be allowed in a tournament? Not much. Not much. <laughs> Maybe 80%? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 80% of 80% or 20% of 20% of 20%, that's like 4% of all the martial arts benefits can be found in a tournament, right? Mm -hmm. So why is it that when you started and you started, you said, well, I want to be able to, you know, I don't want to get beat up anymore. I didn't want to get beat up. That's my benefit. That was why I started. I didn't want to get beat up. It wasn't until after I started training that I found out, wow, there's all these other benefits here that I didn't know. How come nobody knows that? Movies, social media, books. They all focus on the fighting aspect and not what you actually get from it. That being a more confident individual, you're not going to get bullied or get in the fights if you're more confident. Because bullies and uh, people like that, they're going to challenge the weaker. They're not going to challenge someone who's walking around with their head up and they're confident. Because that's not someone that they can bully. That's not a victim. Right. That's a fight. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to fight. Yeah, they don't want to fight. They want a right. victim. Yeah. And... So I think most people overlook the mental aspect of it. Plus, the mental aspect isn't, sorry to say, I mean, it's cool once we know, but it's, you're not going to convince people that, yeah, it'll make you mentally better. Mm -hmm. Mental things, people just seem to gloss over. They want the sexy. They want the high kick and the, 
They want, you know, they want the question they, they mark. Want, they want to submit somebody. Yeah, they want to submit somebody. They want to know how to do a guillotine. But here's, but here's the thing. So I keep my finger on the pulse of the industry. Um, I have friends who, you know, study the industry as a whole. And, you know, even though I'm not a big school anymore, I still get the inside info, right? Okay. And I'll tell you that, you know, about 1% of all of the population actively is training in the martial arts. Not counting people who are hitting a bag in their garage and don't know what they're right. doing. Okay, I'm talking about really actively, actively training, training. Yeah. you know, gaining knowledge and, and, and really there. That's not very many people. No, nope. Okay, now I met a guy at a, at a convention one time, a business convention, and we were just chatting, we were having dinner, and I was, you know, hey, you know, so do you have a school? Yeah, I have a school. You know, we're just talking shop, you know. And I said, well, how big is your school? And he goes, I have 300 students. And I, I was like, oh, that's a big school, you know, I got about 320 myself. You know, that's, that's great, you know, and I'd like to talk with you. And he says, yeah, my town only has 1,200 people in it. Wow. 25%. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was just like floored, floored by that. Yeah. And I, I mean, for weeks, I would be driving down to the dojo to go to work and think, my gosh, that's unbelievable. One out of every four people in his town are training in his school. How does that really happen? That well, okay. So that's my question. Imagine if one out of four people in our town was training. First of all, we we don't have enough room. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we would be in real trouble. We would be in trouble. It would yes. be a really nice problem to have, but we yeah. would be in real trouble. But aside from that, what would the change be in society? You just said one for sure. Yeah. Crime. Would crime be rate would go way down. Yeah. I think the the crime rate would go down, but I also think that there would be. Um, but you never know who you're attacking. Today, true. You never know who you're mugging today. Yeah, this guy could be a white belt, or he could be a black belt. You don't yeah. know, right? How about health? Yeah, obesity and mental problems would go down. We wouldn't would have way pills. down. Yeah, would weigh down. What about um, stress levels yeah. of society? I think just in general, society would improve altogether. Unbelievably. I mean, I believe. I believe that. I believe that. But I train. I know the benefits. Most people, 99% would say, oh, people would be fighting now all the time, right? Because that's what we've, yeah. we as an industry have told them that's what we're about. Yeah, that, that's the, that, that's the, that's the our marketing program. That's the sex. Learn program. how to defend yourself. Learn how to fight. Learn how to fight. Why are we doing that as an industry? Why are we trying to steal each other's students? We have this very tiny pie. Well, I want a bigger piece of that pie. I want more of that pie. I got an idea. Let's double the size of the pie. Let everybody get bigger. Why wouldn't we do that? Listen, when they first came out with VCRs, nobody knew what a VCR was, right? Correct. So Sony wasn't saying in their marketing on VCRs, they weren't saying, you should buy our VCR. Our VCR is the best. It has four... Four heads, heads or instead of two, like our opponent over there does. It's like they were just saying, "What? Buy you a need a VCR. VCR. Buy a VCR. Buy any VCR, but you need one. You had, you don't realize you can't live without this thing, right? Right. And next thing you know, 
80% of the whole population had VCR, right? Because they were building the industry. They weren't fighting each other. Then when you get to a market saturation point of 60 or 70%, then you can start fighting over who has the bigger pie. Yeah. But right now, we need to just build the pie. We just need to convince people that training anywhere is better than train, not training at all. And yet, okay, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, say it. Okay. Oh, do you now? Yes, I do. Go ahead. Because okay. I've had this conversation before. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, so to, uh, to, your, to your VCR to, to your VCR argument, right? It's like martial arts is like the argument between VHS and Betamax, right? Because you've got the jiu-jitsu guys who think that jiu-jitsu is best. You've got the taekwondo guys that think the taekwondo is best. That's right. Right? So it's not just looking at it. The problem is the, the practitioners, not the practitioners, but the, the academies are looking at it. There, there's a lot of pride in your style, and especially back in the old days, right? When there was like dojo storming and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's still kind hey, of... Hey, I trained with the guy that was a black belt under John Keon. Count Dante. <laughs> Man. I trained with the guy who was... Actually, I have a, 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 a rank under him. I have a black belt rank under that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. That was before, you know, John... He trained with Keon before he went off the deep end and... You know, the dojo wars of, of the 70s in Chicago and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, keep going. Um, keep going. Th- there's, there's, a, there's a lot of pride in style. And, and I think that that kind of drives a wedge in between the styles. And yeah. it, it, rather than just go train, it's no Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You got to train with me. You got to train with me. <laughs> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a bunch of pansies in pajamas snuggling. Yeah. And then, you know. Taekwondo is a bunch of. But, but yeah. But, that's, that's worthless on yeah. the street. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, hey, that's not going to work on the street. I'm going to tell you my favorite martial arts joke. How many, how many uh, martial arts does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. How Ten. One to screw in a light bulb and nine to stand around and say, yeah, but that wouldn't work on the street. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And it's true. It is true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So you you are you have fallen into what all of us have fallen into. The entire industry has fallen into, yeah, but don't train, you know, you need to train, but don't train with that guy. Yeah. Or don't train in that style. Or don't train in, you know, you you know, you know what I mean? And now we're back into differential marketing. And differential yeah. marketing is my gas at Exxon is better than your gas at Texaco. It's the same gas, but it doesn't matter, right? We're going to tell you that we put in energy boosters in our gas yeah. that makes it better. We have extra detergents. Yeah. That's because every, there's 100% market saturation. Everybody needs to put gas in their car. There's no question. So it's just a matter there's of where no you product, go. You're, you're getting on the thin edge of product differentiation. That's, that point. that's exactly what we do in the martial arts. But we are not as well, at, as a martial arts. We are not at that point where we where we should be doing that. We don't have the market saturation to that point where we need to start differentiating. Not everybody is training so, in martial arts. Well, okay, so so go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. I know you, you know, with, keep working. This is good. That MMA style now, because mm-hmm. now that's a whole style upon itself now. Style. Uh, well, it is. They now it people is. train just you have now just. Blanket MMA schools, and they have a wrestling coach, a striking coach, That's a right. boxing coach. Yeah, 
and you know now we're sort of like what we do here. Yeah, yeah, we have a mixed martial arts school. We have this training yep. and that training and that training. We're and just not sport oriented. That's that the is what more about. people I think because of the UFC one championship Bellator. Mm-hmm. I think that's where people more people are going to. So, to your answer, I mean it's it's going to be we need to get more people training because overall it's better for your health, better for you mentally. Yeah. Just, Even if you're doing a McDojo, you're still going yeah, to be I think it's most, still, You're yeah. not going to be able to d- benefit from that 4% of self-defense, maybe. But well, you yeah. will get the other 96%. Yeah. Well, that's the same argument between, you know, between guys who go to whatever you want to call them, weightlifting gyms or right fitness yeah. centers, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't go to Planet Fitness. They're a bunch of sissies. you got to go to Powerhouse over right. here. Yep. Right? The guy who's going to Planet Fitness, he's getting he's as getting long as he's benefit. going, he's getting that ninety. He's getting benefit, yeah. benefit, right? When you get into that fifteen to ten percent, right, wherever the ten to fifteen percent of the upper strata, yeah. where. Um, but how many people really are going to get to that point? Very few. Yeah, that's right. Because only the elite four percent are really going to care. Yeah. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to find a place. Yeah, they're, they're going to find. Country. They're going to yeah. find the place. And that's them. what. That's all that matters. Let the four percent handle them, sort themselves yeah. out. But my gosh, we got to get everybody else in on this. The four percent will move to New Mexico to go train Jackson Wink. That's right. That's right. exactly right. Or Master Ken, whoever. <laughs> Master Ken. <laughs> hey, Master Ken. He's all about restomp, restomping the. Ground. I know. Restomp I met Master Ken. I'm from Colorado. It's not that far. Have you seen? There's. A I master- just drove down there and walked into his dojo. Have you seen? There's a Master Ken rash guard set. Yes. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> we definitely need that. It it, it, it it makes it look like it's the red the red gi top with the sleeves. I actually off of it. I was, Master Ken has a um, thing where you can turn in all you know, all of your old black belt ranks for a brand new white belt in mm-hmm. rank in uh, Maradote. So I have <laughs> yeah. I proudly uh, have my white belt certificate. I turn I, I said I renounce all my other ranks. Awesome. And, That's and I, uh, funny. And I have a white belt certificate signed by Master Ken. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, That's amazing. Yep, it's great. It's uh, great. But it's great, and he points out a lot of the things. The very first, you know, enter the dojo episode. The, almost the very first thing he says is, all martial arts styles have their strengths and their weaknesses, except for ours. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, not this guy has got it. Yeah, <laughs> this guy has got it. He has nailed exactly the problem with our industry in one sentence. You know, in the very first thing he does on his show. So how, so, so I mean, we're. So now we're going to solve all the problems. Well, not, not of, necessarily of that. The martial arts industry right here. Yeah. Yeah, two, two, two. Now we a just white need belt, to send a blue this. belt, and a multi-time black belt. And I think you got the wrong crew to help you mm-hmm. that. But no, because it's one person at a time. That's how you build your dojo, one student at a time. You can lose them whole classes at a time. If you, if you teach one bad class, you're going to lose the whole class. Yeah, everybody's not going to come back. Okay, I can see that. Okay, and that's that is an important understanding. You you build one student at a time, but you lose in chunks. You lose a class. You lose whole time. whole groups, and so you have to have the best day of your life every day. So when how you, train. you have to be relentlessly cheerful all the time. Oh God, that's where I struggle. Um, see, <laughs> that's what that's what it takes to be a martial arts instructor, though, if you want to be good at it. There's there's a there's a reason I'm a grumpy fuck after kids class because I'm like, I'm smiling and happy. And then it's like adult class comes around. I'm like, okay, I can stop. Doing I actually, that. one of the few people I know that likes to teach children, I think they're great. 
uh, and I just love them. I just love them. Not that I don't like to teach adults, because I like to teach adults too, but I love to teach kids. I really enjoyed working with the kids. That was something special for me. It um, is, because kids have a different mentality than adults. You know, if I told an adult walked in here, beginner, brand new, and said, all right, first thing I need you to do is jump up and hit your head on the ceiling. They're gonna be like, what? are you kidding me? Okay, a four-year-old walks in here, I say, jump up and hit your head on the ceiling. They'll try it. Yeah. They don't know they can't do stuff. That's a great attitude. I love that attitude. All right, I want you to throw this ball and hit that, you know, bag over there. All right. <laughs> They're going to keep doing it, you know, because they just, they don't know they can't. And I love that about kids. That's my favorite thing about working with a kid. They have no clue that they can't do something. And I've had parents say, my kid won't be able to do that. And 20 minutes later, they're doing it. I guess you were wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but the point is, here, it, you know, we as an industry are attacking it completely wrong. You know, we need to, there's an old saying that says, all ships rise in a rising tide. Mm -hmm. We need to rise the tide. So, before we get into this, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsor, and then we'll come back with Sensei Jay Haynes. back all right so jay what what do we do about this as and, and i'm talking about this as an industry from an industry standpoint right because i'm not a coach jerry's not a coach we nope. we love our we're kind of sores we're, we're kind of sores of the product yeah you know we're buyers of the product we need you know from someone who's been the seller of the product how you know what do we do to fix it what well, do we do to get people but selfishly, from the other side of that, we want to see our yeah. team and our school grow. Yeah. Right? Because we want the school to do well. We want our coach to do well. We want to selfishly spread the gospel of jujitsu, right? Because it's something that, that we believe in. Um, wrist locks and heel hooks, baby. Wrist locks and heel hooks. <laughs> you bet. Um, you know, not that there's anything else wrong with, you know, the other side. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're training Muay Thai. Yeah. We've asked you to... You know, come in and do some uh, do some knife stuff, some Filipino stuff with us on the weekends when you're available. Um, but what do we? What do martial? What would your advice be to martial arts academies and the martial arts community as a whole to to try to get beyond that? You know, one percent of people mm -hmm. who repeatedly train. What do we do to get to the twenty five percent? You know, <laughs> oh, town. What, what do you do to get there? That's a, that's the million dollar question, right? And Jerry, you alluded to the answer earlier when you said, when I said, what's what is the deal? And you said, it's all you know, the social media, yeah. the books, the movies, all that stuff shows this, yeah. right? Well, so, that's what got my, me interested in martial arts when I was a younger man with Steven Seagal movies. And we mentioned him earlier, Billy Blanks. Billy Blanks. He had a few. He had a couple of movies he did, and they were always uh, training oriented. Mm -hmm. The whole like you know ninety minute movie, eighty five minutes of the movie was him training. <laughs> I've somebody. seen that movie. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. But it was all training montage. Yeah. But he, he that's what he did. That's what his movies were. And then you'd have the comedic fight scene. But you know people remember the fight scene, not all the hard work they, they put in throughout the, the movie. But I thought, saw and it was like, dude, this, he's got this guy running hills. And I was wrestling back then. I was like, man, I, this is what our coaches you guys doing. So this would be kind of cool to have, but we didn't have his, you know, a style here. We just had the McDojo karate schools and 
I was beating those people up wrestling. So it's just like, why well, didn't he learn that style when I can already beat them? Right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's because people are watching movies and they're seeing this stuff, and they that's what they want to know is they want to do all this fancy stuff they see a, a choreographed fight scene. They don't realize that in reality your your opponent is not going to let you do that stuff to him. Not in reality, he's not going to stand in a specific specific point and let you throw all these weird kicks at him. Yep. Uh, there's jujitsu. I mean, it's opportunity. You know, you, you use what your guy gives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Muay Thai, same thing. You're you're throwing combos and you're leading him in a direction. You know, your karate, you know, same thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're throwing your stuff to get him to go to a point you need him to go to, but you're forcing him to that point. Yeah, you're baiting him. Mm-hmm. People see these movies and they play these video games, and now you've got the and amateur. the perception is different yeah. than and, the reality. Yep. Yeah. They think it's going to be this, and it's like, and you know, I've got people now that ask me when you know they find out I train jujitsu and stuff, and they'll ask me all the questions like, "Man, most you know, we drill a lot. It's like we we normally every night, every class, it's one or two techniques, and we drill that for 45, 50 minutes, sometimes longer, and then we roll." I was like, "They're like, oh, you only do?" Yeah, it's like, "Yeah, we do like one thing, and then we repeat that thing probably in another month. We do that that very specific thing again." It's like there's fundamentals, your basics. I was like, yeah, we do, uh, before COVID, we had the advanced class where we did our normal class, we roll, and then we would have the upper level guys want to stay and do the advanced class, and we would learn something cool. You know, as people would say, you know, that's cool, a, you know, a different <laughs> style. But we, we would learn some, I mean, most of the advanced, Yeah, the advanced class was a lot, was a lot more sports stuff. Yeah. Right. But for people to be like, oh, that's fancy. No, that's it's it's a same sort of fundamental. You better have the fundamentals before you ever get to this. You're not going to be able to do De La Hiba guard if you don't know how to do guard, period. Right. Yeah. So, and you have good grips. People, most people don't want to put the work in. Right. We've talked about it on almost that's every true. podcast. And that is true. Well, that is true. But here's the thing about that. And let me, I'm just going to point, I'm just going to yeah. say it's about teaching that matters there right because i believe that anybody can gain benefit from training in the martial arts except for people who are super young like two years old there's no value in doing that and people who are about on their deathbed ready to die okay everybody in between though as far as i'm concerned is an opportunity to improve their life okay in, in martial arts training. Now, does that mean that you're gonna be training champions in the nursing home? No, but you can train people in the nursing home. Yeah. I've done it, okay? I've had 90-year-old women learning high blocks <laughs> and punches, and it was hysterical because I would I was in college when I was doing this, and I was training in Kyokushinkai, full contact, bare knuckle, and we would get done, and we would go you know, over to the bar and, you know, of course I don't drink, so I'm sipping a tea, iced tea and my buddies are drinking beers. And it's like, God, can you believe we did, you know, a hundred push-ups and 500 sit-ups and we, you know, put, did a thousand punches and 2000 kicks today. And then we sparred, you know, and then, you know, I go to teach these women in the nursing home and they're like, can you believe that guy, man, he made us do eight high blocks and, you know, <laughs> 10 punches. What a slave driver, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, the, but the camaraderie was the same yeah. among us. 
Because I would, they, these all these people were in wheelchairs. It's not like they were going to be doing kata or something. But I would sit in a chair, and I would do the moves, and they would do them with me. And we're just going to do this now. And I would do kata in a chair, and they would follow along. And they got pretty darn good at it. And I had ladies who couldn't even comb their own hair because their arthritis was so bad from disuse of their arms to, man, they had full range of motion, you know, just in a few months. And it's like, you know what? She's not going to be a UFC champion, yeah. okay? But she can comb her hair. She's calling, that's right. And she's calling her grandchildren saying, yeah, I'm doing karate now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. You know, so yes, people don't want to put in the work. You're right. But here's the thing. It's, you could say that about a dog, you know, yeah. jumping through a hoop. All right, dog, jump through this hoop. All right, dog, come on, let's go. Jump through this hoop. I'm holding this hoop here for you. Jump. All right, if you don't jump through this hoop, I'm going to shoot you. You know, bang, you know, okay? But if I take that same hoop and I throw it on the floor and the dog goes over, sniffs it a little bit, oh, good dog, here, here's a treat. What? This hoop's important, you know? All right, let's stand this hoop up and we'll see if we can get that dog to walk by the hoop. Okay, oh, here's another treat. Now let's see if we can get him to walk through the hoop. Oh, now let's raise it up about six inches and we'll have him hop over into in through the hoop. You know, and if you if you teach and you just shape behavior in tiny steps, tiny steps, that's what the belt system is for, tiny steps, right? And you, you have a curriculum, you have a plan, and you don't slam them all in the first class, right? Because it's like back in the days, it was like, all right, we're going to do a two-hour class with you. And if you're tough enough, you'll come back for the next one. But not everybody is tough enough to do karate. You know, it's like, you know what? If I teach you a 15-minute lesson and get you started, then the next time you come in, I'll give you a, a little bit more and a little bit more. And maybe we don't go the full hour and a half with brand new people because they're like, oh, man, I'm dying here. You know, they're just not equipped to do that. But if you had a half an hour beginner class that you work or maybe 45 minutes and we're just going to do a in little bit at a time, small bites until they get to the point where they can have bigger bites. They learn how to do the work and they like doing the work because it starts off, especially with kids. I have to go because my mom is making me, you know, I have to go. Right. And then at some point the kid says, I like to go. I, you know, I don't have to go. I kind of like to go. And then at some point they say, I love to go. I'm really liking this is, I love this. And then at some point they say, I have to go. So I, I can't not go. I have to go. It's part of me now. And I can't imagine not being, it not being part of my life. Let me ask you this. Okay. Okay. Let's say that I could go back in time to when you were six years old. Okay. And change something in your life so that you would never train in the martial arts ever. Think about how different your life would be. And today I'm going to write you a check to compensate you for that. How much would I have to write that check for? At this point in my life, yeah. I don't think you could write me a check big enough. Really? So I had somebody say, a million dollars. And I said, really? And he goes, no, I'm just kidding. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but let's say I wrote you a check for a million dollars right now. No, no. 
It wouldn't be enough. No. So now, how much have you spent in your whole life training in the martial arts? Let's say you you know you spent eighty dollars a month for twenty years. Okay, so that's a thousand. That's twenty thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now you have you've invested twenty thousand, and you have a return on your investment of over a million. Yeah, that's is, looking at it in purely financial but terms. Is that financial is that a value? Why wouldn't anybody want everybody want to do that? Because they don't know the value. Yeah, so yeah. They don't know that it's worth that much. So, 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 so we a, need to communicate that. But we also can't kill the spirit in somebody when they first come in. And that's a question I've got for you. And I see that a lot in so, martial arts schools. They kill the spirit in somebody. So, I, so that's a question I got for you. And, and you, you, you brushed on it a few minutes ago. The thing about jujitsu, you know, you talked about you go straight into the class and maybe you're not tough enough. And there's there's quite a bit of that in jujitsu, yeah. right? Because ju Brazilian jujitsu is a very fire hose to the face it process, is. It right? Is. Especially, and and I've been to some bigger schools when I've been traveling, and they've got like a fundamentals class, right? And that's really like white belt, no stripe, right? We're gonna do shrimps and four shoulder rolls and. Right, all the stuff. Yeah. That we, but not too much because if we do too much, they're not going to work. Right, it's like week. it's like a thirty-minute class. Yeah. But you can only do that if you're in a big market like Huntsville. Like the, the classes. Why, though? I don't see why well, you couldn't do that here. I, I think say, you, hey, we have a class that's just for you, just for brand new people. You've never done it before. Come in and try this class. You might like it. I think it's totally possible. But my question is, it's an intro class. Yeah, I, and, and I mean, Brian's talked it's about that. I think we're, you know, we, we've talked about that. But is that a, is that a weakness? And again, we're coming back to jujitsu, not just mm -hmm. as yeah, martial sure, arts. Sure, sure, sure. Do you think that that is a, do you think that's a weakness from a, a, a marketing standpoint for jujitsu, right? Because we talk about it a lot that you kind of got to have a certain mindset to do jujitsu, yeah. right? As that's opposed right. to... That's right. You, you know. do, or and and I would say all martial arts in general. But okay, but, but he, if if you look I, at I, all I people did. who are mentally who are mentally equipped to do jujitsu or to do martial arts, mm -hmm. the jujitsu ones are even a little bit more. <laughs> well, different. You're preaching to the choir because I teach FMA, and out of all the people, only one percent of the population train the martial arts. Out of the people who train the martial arts, only 1% train in FMA. So I'm like the 1% of the 1%. I yeah. mean, we are the we are the very small, we're the black sheep of the black sheep <laughs> of, well, the, got, of the world, you know? Yeah, different outlook. We're talking about why we only have 1% and why it's so hard. It's so hard, I think, now to preach martial arts and get people to train because they're telling you people not to, to do it. You've got schools and society and TV shows Violence is wrong. Fighting back is wrong. That's right. Knowing how to do it is wrong. That's to right. Toxic masculinity. If you I totally agree with you. And so you hear this all the time. So why is a kid, especially why is a parent going to have their kid sign their kid up for karate, jiu-jitsu, or taekwondo? Right. Boxing, when it's that bad. When it's they're bad. literally saying, yeah. mm -hmm. if they know that stuff, then they're going to be a bad. So person. we're branded. Yeah. And what we need to do in marketing terms is rebrand. Yeah. We need to rebrand. But we're never we're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, we're not back, doing in, that. back in the eighties, right? I mean, if you think about all the um, 
if you think about all the TV commercials that were on, especially in the, the metropolitan DC area, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I don't remember the guy who was the nobody bothers me. Yeah, no one yeah. bothers me. Sure. The, yeah. Well, yeah, nobody bothers me. And, but right, and and yeah. that was it was it was portrayed as you know build build the the character of your children and right and to Jerry's point now it's the perception is. It's all you have. The UFC has done great things for martial arts and mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, mm -hmm. but it's also it's also been its worst own enemy. Yeah, yeah. it really yeah. has because, because if you're learning this, you're learning this just to hurt somebody. That's right. Yeah. All right. So back in the, in 1973 was the very first real surgence of karate of martial arts training. Mm -hmm. 1973 was the year that End of the Dragon came out, and everybody wanted to be kung fu fighting. Yeah. Okay. And maybe it, everybody was coming. It, it had a reputation of, you know, beat down and, you know, bang, bang. And, you know, people didn't want their children to be involved in that for sure. Women didn't want to be involved in that. Okay. So it was only men and only guys that wanted to fight, you know, kind of a thing. And we were branded for that way. And, you know, nunchucks were illegal, you know, to even <laughs> yeah. carry around and stuff. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, that kind of string. Oh my gosh. So then we had a stroke of, of, of pure luck in the industry in that we were rebranded in 1984 by the Karate Kid. The Karate Kid showed, hey, martial arts is not just about fighting. It's about all these other things, right? developing respect and courtesy and you know on and on the things that we talked about earlier right but they also had to share the dick side but they had the, that's yeah, right the, but but the team that they we showed that yeah and the, the downside was was that the bad guys the antagonists were the right. school yeah. <laughs> the actual school martial arts school okay but then we got rebranded for kids in 1990 when ninja turtles came out yeah. right and since then Power Rangers has come out, but that went the wrong way, to be honest. Yeah. Because that was just nothing but bigger and better and fight, and then get bigger and stronger and fight some more, you know? Yeah. But kids loved it, and they were, you know, they were still pouring in. Um, and it was up to us to then convert them from that mentality to the martial arts way, the, you know, the way that we do, and, and the way of our thinking, right? The benefits that we want them to have. But... We've never really rebranded since, you know, and UFC has re sort of rebranded us back to the 1973 brand, which is good, but it's not good. Like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword. There well, for there sure. a lot of issues as you also see, you know, and I've heard people talk about it cause you've got the, uh, our military, the United States military has adapt, adopted yep. a, mixed martial, a mixed martial arts style. Yeah, the combatives program is pretty good too. Yeah, I've trained and, in that also. And yes, they use a lot of, and, and even now they're now using guys from the UF, men and women from the UFC go and actually train mm -hmm. the coaches on how to train. Right. So that gives people this, oh, well, they're all just learning to kill each other. Yeah, that's right. And yes, you, if you're not a, an actual fan of fighting and martial arts and you watch UFC, all you want to see is two gladiators. Yep. And most people, that's how what they do. And that's all they know. It's and gross. then they know the negative stories that yeah. come out. But you know, War Machine yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, these that gets in front page John Jones, cocaine hookers. Cocaine hookers. Right. And so, you know, that that doesn't help. Yeah. That doesn't help. And and you know, if it if it bleeds, it leads. That's how it works in the in the yeah, press. Yeah, the movies. And so 
you know, they're only going to focus on that. So we need to focus on yeah. the positive. When somebody says, you know, why do you train in jujitsu? Your answer should be it because what you told me, you know, man, it's great stress relief. Yeah. I'm getting into shape and, you know, we're, you know, I have better balance and coordination and I feel, you know, great and I have more flexibility, you know, and I'm going to live longer. And you never talk about fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, and by the way, we, you know, in case somebody tries to attack me with a knife, I, I can deal with that too, you know, at least better than I could before, before I started yeah. training. And so, you know, by the way, that's, that's just secondary because it is, right? But as an industry, we all need to be evangel evangelists to the cause of, hey, it's more than just punching and kicking. Yeah, and my, my, uh, really hard. my, yes, it is. My instructor, because they want to talk about the fighting club. Yeah. You know, but my instructor had the greatest, when, in 1990, when we rode that Ninja Turtle rocket to the sky, my instructor had the greatest ad that he put, he didn't put it in the sports section where men look, he put it in the lifestyle coupon section of the paper where moms go. That's right. And it was a little kid and he's standing in a horse stance and punching and smiling really big and he's got a white belt and he looks terrible. I mean, you know, he didn't, you know, it's like, just do this. He didn't, you know, his, everything was wrong, but it said, karate is the best thing I ever did for my kid. Mrs. Jones, right? <laughs> Man, Much and I need to Smith. tell you that ad got that phone ringing all day long. People were like, I need to get my kid into that program. And it's like, you know, and then he put into the, in there, all of our instructors have college degrees and graduated with honors from the university, which was true because all the instructors were me and my instructor. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like oh, this is great you know and so another karate school called so I don't understand why you put that in there what does that have to do with anything you know college degrees you know what does that have to do with anything and my instructor goes well I don't know but it, the phone's been ringing off the hook how's <laughs> your phone doing it makes people you know? think you're pure but it, it, see it, what I mean? That's called rebranding right there. No wonder we did. We were like a rocket ship to the sky, man. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, we would have introductory classes with 50 people in them. You know, wow. first students show up to our intro class. Oh and we'd have 50 people and we'd go, who wants to sign a contract? Me. We okay, a, sign it. You know, <laughs> it was just like, you know. We get know? a lot of visitors and we get a lot of new students. It's just, and they'll stay for a while, but. It's, it's, I think. Then they find out it's hard. Yeah. 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 I think that's the biggest part. Is and and the honeymoon wears off, the shine goes can, away. You can you coach know? all you want, but if someone yep. doesn't have it in them, they're not going to stay. That's, and that's right. And that's I'm not saying, part. you know, that everybody who starts should end up becoming a blue belt. Because really, if, if you had, a, you know, people in the martial arts talk about retention all the time. Oh, you know, the students keep quitting. Well, yeah. Because not everybody is going to get to be a blue belt. Okay, yeah. that's it. I'm telling you right now. Um, you know, what would you say? One out of 30? One out of 50? Maybe get to blue belt? One out of 80? I, I think the number. That you I hear the number one out of 80. 100 a lot, but I think it's more like one out of 30 or 40. I think it was okay. like 80% drop before, like 20% yeah. make blue belt. And then that really, number, one out of five. Yeah. That that's the number that I've seen. 20, out of that I would say it's blue. more like one out of 30. You know, 
For every 30 people to start, one of them tests for blue belt. How many people have you know? How many people did you start with who are still training? None, Jared. Okay, you're the one out of infinity then. <laughs> None of the ones who started that same time. When you're you you're the here. one out of. 30. You came late. You came that following. Yeah, but you're I, the one yeah. out of 30. I you know, there are probably 30 other guys that trained here with you. Well, I mean, think about how many people have stayed even after I started. Yeah, like we, yeah, we kept Liz. We kept. You know, Cody's kind of an oddball because he first he was here and then he left and now he's back. Same thing with Steve, yep. right? Lindsay and Olivia, yep. and Chris Messina. Yeah. Those and who are, else? All the rest of them are gone. That's all. At I least for now, right? For now, yeah, they're yeah. Here out. Right. Yeah. But the point is, is that if you can bring them along slowly, like teaching a dog to jump through a hoop, you're going to do better. But ultimately, they got to put the work in yeah. because you're yeah. not going to give it away. Okay, so, and that's got to be known right off the bat. But if you can just ease them in a little bit nicer <laughs> to begin with, you'll find people that start saying, I like it, I love it, I have to do it. You know what I mean? Whereas if you slammed them early on and then the next week they're like, God, I'm so sore, I can't even hardly move, I'm not gonna, I, I don't think this is for me. You, you killed the spirit of them. Being you know, is a good I thing. remember that. It is a good thing for us, but I'm talking about for brand new people, you know. Well, I so, was brand new. You know, I was sore as hell. Yeah, but you're one of the class. weird ones. You liked it, and you came back. But most people aren't weird. But they That's can true. learn to be weird. They're not our weird. But they can learn to be weird. Am I right? They can learn to like that. And uh, if you could, you know, I mean... I, I think I, some people can, and there are, not everybody. There's innate, there's an innate weirdness that has to be there, but some people you kill the spirit before that innate weirdness comes out. Yes, yeah. I, that I will absolutely agree with. And so, if we can just communicate to the world, yeah. hey, this is what we're really all about. Yeah, but there, but like I said, every time we say that, I mean, last night I was, I was sitting there uh, getting ready for bed, and I was looking through. I had an ad pop up on social media about new movies and it's like nine or ten new fighting movies coming yep. out and they're all showing like the brutality yep and yep yep it's yep. like i know we well, got an uphill battle that's yeah, for sure cause, but cause, you know what it's either us or the couch yeah it's us or well, the, like video the, video the video games i <laughs> know but you know what we had the cure we for did. what ails us as a society we had the cure we just got to figure out the way to get it out there. But the biggest problem that I see that we have is we are infighting too much. Yeah. You know, don't go train with them. You should come over. I had a, we had a guy in Colorado Springs who was putting snipe signs in front of other karate schools in town. Wow. <laughs> he put one in front of my school and I was like, all right, now we, now we got a problem. Now we go so fly. then I just started going around and I'd say, I'd go into those guys, you know, my, my friend's school and go, you mind if I take his snipe sign? Yeah, you can take it. Okay. And then I, I had an armful of snipe signs, right? And I walked into his school and I threw them on the mat and said, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean anything by it. And I said, 
It's not going to happen again, it's right? Do that again. Because the rest of us are going to show up next time. <laughs> and that was the end of that. But I mean, gosh darn, are you kidding me? You're putting a sign in front of somebody's school trying to get their students to come over to your school? That's pretty lame. you got to be kidding that, me. That's pretty lame. Come on. Let, don't begrudge people their groceries, you know? Yeah. Don't cannibalize. You know, I had a, a really good student of mine who was uh, a pastor, and he said, you never steal from somebody else's flock. It's just bad for business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, it's, that's right. It's bad for business. Don't try and steal other people's students. Just build your own flock. Yeah, and it's... Build it's, your own flock it, out it's of nothing. Dis, it's disingenuous, and it's, it's low, low character. Oh, it is. I mean, it's it really total. is. I mean, it's, it's one thing total. if... The, if, if you're offering a different program and the student comes to you first. Like, yep. okay, but well, then, I can't do that class anymore because of my schedule. Yeah. Do you offer yeah. something different? The first thing I do, though, is I say, wow. do you mind if I call your yeah. instructor and ask him? Because then you'll find out just by their reaction whether or not they were a problem over there. Because yeah. yeah. what I don't need is their problem. Yeah. Okay, uh, in he my school. Come over there. Yeah, sure, he's all yours. That's right. Or, you know, or the student will go, well, you know, I'd really rather you not. You know, you don't even have to call. You just gauge yeah, their reaction yeah, yeah. based on it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You know, they understand, you know, because I really don't like to have somebody coming in from my school from another school unless it's okay with them, you know. Yeah. And people, you know, it's just courtesy basically at that point, you know. But it's, but it's important, too, that we communicate with each other. I mean, back in the days, early days, we would all the when there was only like 15 schools in Colorado Springs, <laughs> we would all get together um, for over the holidays, over the Christmas holidays, you know, because everybody closed the week between Christmas and New Year's back then. Sure. And they don't anymore, uh, which is a good thing, by the way. Um, but they uh, and we would all get together at a place, usually a bar. OK. And we would get, have our new planners out. And we go, all right, now, you know, Joe, when are you running your tournament in March? Is it going to be in March again this year? Yeah, I'm going to run it. Okay, I've got a seminar that I'm running, but I don't want it to be on the date of your tournament, so I'm going to put it here. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah, that's fine. And we would plan out our whole year with each other. That's dope. Yeah, it that's was. Cool. Yeah. It was. And now, nobody ever does that. Yeah, it's like, we don't care about those guys. You know? <laughs> I mean, we were more of a, of a tight-knit community in the past. Uh, and everybody knew everybody back then, you know, and everybody got along with everybody. And if somebody new came in, we would all pay them a visit. Hey, how you doing, buddy? How's it going, man? Welcome to Colorado Springs. Put your pads on. And then if he was good, he'd be like, man, it's great to have you in town. Listen, here's when we get together. These are the things that we're doing. Let me give you a schedule of everything that's going on. I want to plug you into the community, right? But if he wasn't any good, it's like, Maybe you ought to think about training there, <laughs> you yeah. know, or, hey, he does what you do, but he does it better. Better. Maybe you, you ought to think about now. that. And then you can think about opening up a school. But I think right now, you know, we would self-regulate the quality yeah. of our, of our community. Yeah, there's. But we don't do that anymore. Now anybody can open up a school. Yeah. You, you see don't even lot, have yeah. to have a, you see a any lot training <laughs> or any oh, rank. Yeah. That's the kind of cool thing about the internet. You see these people who go to these schools where people are like claiming like the they're fake this black and that. Oh, like, oh my fake this, fake that. And oh then they don't know nothing. No. It's like no. you're no. teaching people no. bullshit. Yeah. I, uh, I love watching the McDojo life. 
Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it's, a great, it's a whole series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These people oh, yeah. are teaching these people things that and are you go, going well, to get them killed. What is going on here? You know. But you know, Triple listen. Shock and key at attacks. some point, listen. I believe strongly that people today are more intelligent than they've ever been, and so you know they they see UFC, they see these things, and they know what good training is, and then they see that and go. Are you kidding? Well, still I'm not going to do that. I don't think they do. I, I, you I don't know think what? They do. I know you don't, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a handful of people that drink the Kool-Aid. Okay, there's always going to be that. I, yeah, okay, yeah, that I'll buy. But, but the majority of people are good. And even if you have no training, if you showed it, did your wife train? Show her one of those videos. Oh, and she knows her. their crap. Is she going to say, no, she knows oh, that crap. looks real? Because no, she's smart. Right. Yep, you're right. She's not stupid, right? So she's, you know, unless you want, you know, I don't know why anybody would do that, to be honest, but there are people who drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And they're all in, you know. Fine. You go have fun with that. But the rest of us are going to be saying over here. Oh, fifth degree, black belt, and Geninjutsu Ri. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the 28th degree black belt. I've learned of the master of the arts of the ninja. Actually... I have a great okay. story about a guy who trained in our school who was a green belt, okay? He was a green belt, but he had trained before and he was a green belt before, okay? okay? And he came to our school and he was not very good, but my instructor's policy was, okay, we'll let you wear your green belt, okay? And then you just have to learn everything to be a green belt in our system and then you can continue. And we'll just put a little white piece of tape on your belt to show that you're a green belt elsewhere but you're a white belt in our school and then when we'll take that piece of tape off and we'll put a yellow piece because it went white yellow orange green blue purple brown black so you know and then we'll just catch you up to whatever rank you are now okay and it was a great way to do it because you would recognize that somebody had trained before so that way brand new white belts aren't standing next to him going my gosh you know if he really is good you know but this guy wasn't great but he you know he had trained you know he just wanted to fight basically he didn't know you know much technique Right, and so, so he was fighting, and we have Friday, Friday night fight night. And back then, we would invite other schools. Other schools would train, you know, fight with each other all the time. You know, we, uh, and and so, you know, he was fighting, and so on and so forth. So then, and he had a mustache. Okay, so the next morning there was a tournament up in Fort Collins. A guy by the name of Kim Yi, great Taekwondo guy, would run a tournament every year. And he, so, we walk in. So there was traffic on the interstate. And we got there late. I wanted to do black belt kata. They always do black belt kata first so that the black belts had to show up early. Then they would get them to help referee all day and then they would do black belt fighting last. So that way you were there all day. day. Okay, yeah. see how that worked. Good yeah. scam. So I go yeah. running in because, you know, oh, they've started the black belt kata division. God, you know, I can't believe it, right? Because I was late, you know. So I'm sitting on the bleachers, stewing around that I'm not in the division. And my instructor walks up to me and he says, you see the guy who's the head referee of the Black Belt Kata Division? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I think that's so-and-so. And I'm like, no, that's not him. He has a, that guy doesn't have a mustache. You know, he has a mustache. He goes, I think he shaved his mustache. I think that's him. Right? So the Black Belt Kata Division is now wrapping up. And I, he goes, I want you to go over and see if it's him. Really? Yes, that's an order. Go. Yes, sir. So I go up, I start walking up towards him, and I'm walking towards him, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, 
God, this guy really doesn't look like him, does he? So without a mustache. By the time I get there, I'm like, this is really him. You know, this is the guy. So I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you doing? So it's like, and I said, man, I didn't know you were a black belt. And he goes, well, you know, since martial arts training is 90% mental and 10% physical, really, and, you know, mentally, I really was prepared. And basically, mentally, I'm a black belt. So I've decided to be a black belt today. So I'm like, wow, man, you know, that's, that's great. Congratulations, you know, wow. So I walk back over and he goes, well, and I'm like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, right? So then he goes over to Kim Yi and he goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know, just in case you were wondering, that the head referee of your black belt kata division was a green belt in my fighting class last night. Yeah. And he's like, what? Oh, buddy. And then go? it got around, right? Yeah. The rest of the turf is like wildfire, man. You could just see in the, in the stands. Heads <laughs> just start turning. <laughs> it was just crazy. Oh, man. Oh, man. So then we're like, well, he's not part of our school anymore. He's done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then he started trying to go to other places to train, right? And he would walk in. Everybody would be like, oh, yeah. Right, you know, because everybody knew with that, yeah. you know. Right, and then you're not training me. So then he tried to go out of town, or you know, into another town, the town next door, and he, he walked into there like, oh yeah, we'd love to have you come on in and train. And then he got in, and he tra he grew a beard and stuff, you know, so he didn't look the same. But they knew who he was. So they're like, oh man, we'd love to have you. And then they beat the crap out of him and said, get out of here, never come back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what was the What was the name of the guy? Rogan has told this story like multiple times where he like has some dude drive him out into the middle of the forest. Oh, yeah. He's got the duffel, but the yeah. huge duffel. I, I can't remember the guy's goes, name, but yeah. yeah, he claimed he was fighting. He was fighting in a no did. holes barred tournament Bass, in the Bass woods. Oh, right. That, that, that's someone Bass Rudin knew because yeah. Bass Rudin was first coming up and he was teaching. He yeah. first came to America. There's this guy teaching all these street fights craps and yeah yeah because what you're talking about you know the technique and different things yeah. and watching these you know the bullshit. Bass Rudin always talks about when he was teaching a seminar once he was teaching a rear naked choke and how effective it is against an opponent and that even in a street fight you get someone a legit rear naked choke you yeah. hold on those take the fight out of somebody because you oh, yeah. choke them put them to sleep you ain't gotta kill them and the fight's over. And he said this guy had come in with some girls, some women, and he was just kept talking. So he's like, you know, best was like, I'm trying to teach. This guy's talking behind me. Oh, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. For me. That wouldn't work. Oh, I can show you how to get out of that. That ain't going to work. How many, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? So here's Bat Rooster just teaching a basic rear naked choke position. And he hears him again. The woman's like, oh, yeah, all you got to do is reach back and uh, poke him in the eye. So he finally decides he needs a volunteer. So he sure. takes one up. He asks the guy, he won't do it, but he sends one of his women up. So he puts this woman in the rear neck. He's like, I'm going to apply this. When I say go, you do whatever it is you think you can do. And he's like, but before you, uh, when you reach back here, claw my eyes, I'm going to break your neck. Let's go. She's like, no, wait, wait. He goes, go ahead. I'm going to, we're going to start. I'm going to this position. You can reach back towards wait, my wait, eyes. Wait, wait. Do, whatever, do whatever you think you can do, but I'm going to snap your neck as soon as you get near my eyeballs. Let's go. And he's like, she quickly goes, oh, wait, 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 wait. And he's like, yeah, I will snap your damn neck. Yeah. He's like, don't That's buy right. into that bullshit. That's right. He's like, you know, this guy was always like, yeah, I'm a, 
But yeah. see, seven hundred no in street fights. Yeah, that that falls under the category of whatever the instructor yeah. is doing. Learn it that yeah. day. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. You yeah. can take back and go, yeah, I don't like it later. But right now, do yeah. what yeah, they're do doing, it. man. Because let's assume that you're there because they're good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I why would I go to a seminar or somebody that wasn't any good? So if I like this guy, I'm gonna do what he says, you know. Yeah. And then I might say later. You know, this would work better if I did this for me personally yeah. because I'm, your style, yeah. I'm not, I'm, you know, this body type. Yeah, you're longer, body. taller, or I'm whatever. older, you know, or whatever, right? The best one, of the best seminars I ever went to was a guy by the name of Roger Green. Okay, Roger Green, he just passed away uh, a couple of years ago, maybe last year. He he was a great fighter, karate man. He was Chuck Norris's bodyguard, right? You know, you know, you got to be tough when you're Chuck Norris's bodyguard. bodyguard. But he. He was a phenomenal fighter, and he, uh, somebody called me and said, hey, I'm hosting Roger Green. I'm like, sign me up, you know, because I know who that is. He's great. I'll be there, you know. He, I said, what's he teaching? His seminar is entitled, How to Hit Somebody So Hard They Explode. <laughs> I'd awesome. sign up for that one. All right, see what happens. I want to be in the front row, man. <laughs> it's like gonna be like a Gallagher show. You're gonna be wearing a raincoat and hat. Yep, yep. But it was great because it was like, all right, he says, all right. Now, I want to ask you all a serious question. There's a room full of, you know, there's gonna be a hundred people in this room. Who in here has thrown a technique at somebody? And the only reason that they're still alive today is because you chose not to kill them with that technique. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe I have and maybe I haven't, but I'm not going to raise my hand if that's what you're thinking. And he goes, you have? And I'm like looking behind me. There's a 16-year-old kid in the back going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes, you have. Yeah, come up here. <laughs> I want to see this killing blow. Yeah. Come up here, right? Uh, sir, yeah, I want you to hit me with that blow. Sir, hit me with that killing technique. Now? Yes. Well, I, uh, now, okay. So the kid, and he goes, and he hits him as hard as he can in the stomach. And he goes, flood. And he goes, how come I'm not dead yet? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he kind of slinks back to the back. I'm like, man, I like this guy, man. He's great. This is going to be awesome. And then he taught the most amazing power punch seminar. All we did was a punch. Okay. But my gosh, could he hit. Jeez, man. I mean, he just cut a man in two with his punch. Yeah. It was so good. So good. Throwing them liver shots. <laughs> That's, that's oh man, it was great. Yeah, we. I mean, that's the biggest thing too. Is like you said, the infighting. We talked about. We've talked about over and over and over again. Everybody wants to belong to a tribe. Your tribe is better than everybody else's tribe. So of course, the jiu-jitsu tribe is better than the judo tribe. Hmm. Karate tribe, well, they're better than taekwondo. Right. Taekwondo, well, is better than nothing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but here's the thing if we're all one big martial arts tribe you know if we could just build the entire nation you yeah. know but there's a lot of egos that are going to have to there is and that's our problem away. that's our problem well, I mean we that's have we have a, a brilliant way to 
showcase how all these styles not only are good in their own right, but they benefit, they work well together. I they mean, do. Just look. They do. And not even like UFC, because UFC, you know, it's in a cage. It looks more brutal. One championship with the women. Mm-hmm. We were talking oh. about this morning. Uh, Sage Northcutt's sister, his younger sister, Colby Northcutt, she's now fighting in one championship. She is a karate, lifelong karate. Mm-hmm. And her, her movement is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's fighting these, these women who are Muay Thai style mm-hmm. or other style. And she's just long legs, long limb, and beautiful, perfect karate. Mm-hmm. It's like that's who they should be looking at is, is someone like her. Or some, you know, karate hottie. She would, yeah. yeah. Michelle Watterson. Yeah. She did a lot of. It I knew too. Michelle when she was six. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Because <laughs> I was, yeah. Just well, she yeah, was, she was a little karate kid, you know, yeah. in the local tournaments yeah. there in Colorado. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was she was born and raised in Denver, and and she trains out of New Mexico now. Yeah. But but uh, she's yeah, I mean, I've known her yeah, for Jackson I've right. known her for years, years. I mean, I ever since she was a little kid. Yeah, her and her brother and she was when she was little. Right. Yeah. I mean, she was real. Oh, she's phenomenal. Yeah. Karate kid. But that's, I mean, amazing. But amazing. she's at, she took the karate, and she added the boxing, and yeah. she had Muay Thai yeah. and jujitsu. And, and she's and a mom get, and everything. Yeah. And you get this. Oh my gosh. You get this. That's fantastic. And that's what we, that's. That's what we need. But you've got a few people who try that. you got Tom DeBlast, who even though he's Black belt jujitsu. He loves jujitsu. He talks about you need to do something. Mm-hmm. Do something. Something. You know, he's always start every day. somewhere. You don't have to end yeah. there, but you can start there. Jocko, obviously. Jocko Wilnick's probably the best. This is what how I rate rank these in overall style. But start somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's like start at your local karate school, even if it might not be the best. He's like, it'll get you learning the discipline. Exactly. It'll get you going to class and exactly. learning something. Exactly. And then we can, you can go to yeah. something else. He's right. like, but do something. Right, right, right. Any ride. Pick a ride. Yeah. yeah. And then pick another ride. Well, now and ride that ride for a while. We're competing, pick another ride. We're competing against TV, internet, and now we're competing That's against right. these video games That's right. that are so over the top. People That's right. People are like, why do I have to... I don't need to go work my ass off That's and right. sweat. I can eat, eat, sit here, eat Cheetos, drink soda pop, and play That's right. 18 hours of video games. That's exactly the problem. And then not only do they We've not, been fighting that yeah. you know, ever since yeah. the Atari 2600 came But they, not only do they, <laughs> but, yeah, they do that <laughs> stuff, but then they wonder why their lives are so bad. That's right. They have no relationship skills. They have no personal skills. That's they right. Have no, it's like, dude, get your ass up off the couch. Do something, man. That's right. I mean, I'm 44. I'm almost 44. I'm not the best. I'm not going to be a UFC champion. My, you know, my yeah, but you're still being, you're still yeah. benefiting. I love this stuff. I yeah. love, you know, I introduced my boy Scott here to his first ever, you know, four piece of a soda. You know, left we, the soda off. And we were in here sparring. <laughs> I got to be the first, you know, he introduction to, to sparring. Oh, I love because it. I love it. I mean, most people are at home asleep, and we're in here Sunday mornings punching each other in the face by 6.30. Yeah. And everybody else is trying to crawl out of bed. Oh, I stayed up late playing this game, yeah. watching the show. Dude, I was in bed kind of early because I got up early. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's oh, a different man. lifestyle. It makes you a different person. A better person. I mean, yeah, it's like it changes. A better It person. changes you. Yeah, I, a I'm better a better person. husband and a better father. I'm a better coworker. I'm a better manager. Because you train. Yeah. Yes. Directly. Oh. There's a direct yeah. correlation. 
My, There's no question about my it. My general manager says that he can tell the difference when I get to train because I let shit slide off. Yep. I'm, you know, yep. I let stuff go and yep. that I have that outlet, you know. And it you need it. People need an outlet. I mean, no, not everybody's gonna want to do jujitsu. It's a different style. Not everyone's gonna do karate, but there's so many different variations. I mean, y'all listed just a handful. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many disciplines yeah. within just the karate umbrella. Yeah. Everybody just hears the word karate, they think of the karate kid or one thing. Well, he really didn't do karate. Mr. Miyagi didn't even that's know right. karate. No, he, he didn't. Teaching. Hey, I met Pat Maria. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was teaching. He was <laughs> and that's just, what I asked him. I said, how much karate training did you do? And he goes, none. I'm well, just a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> and the remake. <laughs> About the, the modern the, version, the Charlie Chan, one, or not? Uh, I trained the, with Fumio with Demora Chan, though. Yeah. Demora, since a great, great karate man, and he was uh, Pat Morita's uh, stunt double okay. for uh, the Karate yeah. Kid. Yeah, great, great. Kiyoshi Yamazaki trained with him. He trained Arnold Schwarzenegger for the Conan movies. Oh, okay. And he also trained Kevin Sorbo and Lucy Lawless for yeah. the uh, Hercules. All that fancy stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, great karate man though. Great karate uh, man. Jackie Chan does the remake of the Karate Kid. And he's teaching him kung fu, not karate. But it's yep. still called the karate kid because kung fu kid don't sound right. Yep. But they do make a joke about it. Yeah. So yes, that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, he makes a joke. Yeah, they do kind of pay homage to it. That's great. But it's not something is better than nothing. Yep. We talk about here. Something is better than nothing. We're doing self defense in here. That's right. And we're talking about punches. 99% of your, the person that throws a punch at you is going to throw one or two things. He's going to throw the wild-ass haymaker, yep. which is a, a looping punch. Yep. Or he's going to shove you and then try to then uh, hit, <laughs> headlock you and try to throw a rabbit punch. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Right. So learning any of the other disciplines, you'll know how to throw a better jab, how to move your head, yep. how to move your body, and yep. not get caught like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. So something's better than nothing. That's right. And you know what? I'm Jiu-jitsu not saying better than all. that we should that we're going to get the 25%. Because people are going to try it, and it's not for everybody, no. and that's okay. That's the first thing I want people to know. It's okay if you don't, if, if it's not your passion. It's my passion. Mm-hmm. It's our passion, but not everybody is going to want to do it, and that's okay. That's okay. I just like to see us get to two percent. Yeah, yeah. Double, if we could double. just get to two percent, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves around here. <laughs> You know what I mean? It'd be crazy. But I'm not asking for everything. I'm not asking for, you know, video game or um, or baseball or soccer numbers. I just want what, 2%. 2%. I mean, that would be awesome. And in the era of, of COVID right now, yeah. we've, we've seen a major contraction in the martial arts. Yeah. About one third uh, yeah. of all martial arts schools have have gone on. Yeah, I believe it. And I think we're still going down. I don't think we're uh, I don't think we've turned the corner yet. No, I don't think so either. And, and, I, and I it's not it's, it's not because of COVID, it's because of the governmental response to COVID. And it's because we really have no choice but to follow these rules. Yeah. Otherwise you we're going to be shut down. Yeah. And you know, so we have to follow the rules, but we can be smart about it. Um, and we can communicate to people Hey, we are, safety is our number one concern. Your safety is most important to us. And we are doing all the things that we need to do that need to be done to be safe, to make sure that you're safe and that your child is safe. Okay. And that's really important, but we're not even communicating that right now. We're just saying, come in and train, you know, or don't don't come in and train depending on, yeah, where you are. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we, we, in our school, we're doing everything right. We're doing all the things that we need to do to make sure that
that everybody is safe. And it's working for us. It's working yeah. for us. Well, another big thing, though, is we have decided not to take any new students at jiu-jitsu because it is, that is a hard thing. And yeah. people, to teach someone jiu-jitsu and you can't touch them, it's almost impossible. Well, that's right. And you don't know, and you know, and you can't. We're allowed, and this by, by the state law, we're allowed to train in groups. You know, so we keep our groups limited. Right. So you only interact physically, contact with these people. Yep. But if you're a brand new student, who do we put you with? Well, here's yeah. what I would say: bring a friend. Yes, because you're gonna need. That's what I life. would say. Yeah. And it's funny because I've had here's here's my policy always, right? Um, I have a kid come into my. FMA program, I say, okay, I'm going to get you a pair of sticks. Okay, here you go. And mom, here you go. Oh, do I have to do it with him? Yes. And now mom's in the program. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like, do you You're want to Yeah, I like you. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? Well, yeah, I want you to do it with him, at least first class. You know. Yeah, that way you, that way you can be help at home. Right? And mom's like, Hey, that was kind of fun, actually. I kind of maybe I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, and then mom just keeps coming. That's how I always do it. I've done that for years. You know? Awesome. Oh, yeah, you have to. And when I'm on the phone with somebody and I say, you know, all right, so we have you set up. Now, listen, it's a lot more fun to do something brand new if you're doing it with somebody yeah. who you know. So you got brother, sister, cousin, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, friend. You know, bring it. You know? Why not? It'll be fun. Sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think I'll do that. And now you've doubled your students. Nice. Right? That's marketing. This is marketing. You want a prize for that? <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. But you know what? Maybe the kid that originally came in didn't, but the parent stays. Yeah. Or maybe the other kid stays. Right? That sort of a thing. So, you know, you, you want, and, and let me tell you, women especially, they're like grapes. They come in clumps. They come in. You get one mom, then, oh, here comes a bunch of other ones. But you just got to get that first one. The first one. You get one, then they'll come all together, right? right. You know, it's like they go to the bathroom together. They go to class together. You know, they, they're never apart, you know? And if you get one, you get them all, right? That's the thing. And so, you, especially with moms, you know, you, well, I'd, I'd really like you to do it with your kid for your kid's sake. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that, you know, I'll definitely do it for my kids' sake, right? right. Maybe you ought to bring a friend for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bring your kid. Well, my kid does have a friend who's interested. Bring him and bring his mom, too, so that you have somebody to play with. Oh, that's a great that's idea. That's a great idea. That's you know, idea. next thing you know, I have four new students instead of one, right? But the more the merrier, yeah. right? And if you have family members training, because if it's just one person and that one person thinks, eh, maybe I'll stay home and watch football tonight, then they're not going to go. But if you have four family members and eh, maybe we ought to watch football, no, let's go. All right, you know, they, <laughs> they've kind of made a commitment to each other. Everybody, so yeah, they hold each other accountable, right? And the next thing you know, they're training longer. They're training because there's there's always one that maybe doesn't necessarily want to go, but they go because the other three do. Yep, and that's it. You know. Well, that's what we got to do. We're family. We're all family, right? We're one big martial arts family. That is, we're running up on time. That is a great thought to end on. Yeah. That we're all martial arts family. Um, dysfunctional as we are. Dysfunctional <laughs> as we are. <laughs> totally. Especially this group. Um, Jerry, you got any closing thoughts for us? Uh, we just piggyback off what we've been talking about for the last while. Do something. 
find something you're passionate about. You know, we, we're passionate about martial arts. We're passionate about, but we also have passions and other things. We didn't get into today, but uh, Jay does computer stuff. He does, he has own, his own little blog, computer blog he does for uh, digital, digital work. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Scott both, you know, we read a lot, we write a lot. Scott's been writing articles for a thing, and he's now kind of pushed us into doing it. So I think, you know, me and Cody will be joining awesome. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. Because uh, your blog is fabulous. So it's it's not my blog. It's, oh, I, it's I, not I, yours? No, it's, it's not my – I write for Barbarian Rhetoric. Nathan it's runs good. Barbarian Rhetoric. Uh, it's good. But yeah, it's Nathan, good. yeah, it's it's legit. It's find, great. find something out there. Find, find something to be passionate about. We're passionate about this. We, we're passionate about the martial arts. But we all have different reasons to be passionate about it. But we find it. And you, you may find that you want to try this. It is worth a shot. Maybe try, like Jay says, try every ride, man. Try try different styles. Almost every community you'll find a Taekwondo gym nearby, a karate dojo. And you'll find a lot of jiu-jitsu schools are starting to pop up. It'll probably be after COVID, probably come next spring before everybody's back and running. But, you know, even boxing. Learn boxing. Learn Muay Thai. Learn to wrestle. There's a lot of things learn out there. FMA. Learn <laughs> FMA. Learn FMA. I enjoy FMA. I like it. I like this style. And I'm looking forward to getting back into it. I like like the idea. But uh, just do something with your life, man. Don't just sit at home on the couch in the dark playing video games eating Cheetos. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Jay, where can the listeners find you on the social medias and, and the interwebs if they want to get in touch with you or see what else you're about? Um, you can really get in touch with me through the school here, Total Defense Martial Arts. TotalDefenseMA.com is the website. And, of course, we have a Facebook page for our uh, school as well. And you can always get in touch with me through there. Awesome. Well, Jay, it's been great having you on. I, I think we've got so much to talk about here. We could probably do a couple more sessions. Um, you're, Good, you're, for sure. you're a wealth of knowledge, and we'd love to have you back sometime in the near future. Thank you. I'd love to come back. Awesome. So, Scott Barker, Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, thank you for listening to Rolling Rocks Radio. Thanks for Sensei Jay for making it. And until next week, we're out. Peace. The music from tonight's episode was... But I Am Shafts of Light by Maya from their album, Wailing.